Hello and welcome to the Crystal Core Radio Podcast. On today's show, we're talking about Blue Protocol versus Final Fantasy, Genshin Impact, PSO2, Different Expectations, Throne of Liberty, Ash as a Creation, Final Fantasy 14, 6.4, Q&A with you guys. So much more to break down and will Final Fantasy 14 ever merge with Final Fantasy XI's Vanadil? Lots to talk about and I really hope you guys enjoy the podcast. If you ever want to join us live be sure to check us out Monday and Tuesdays where we film this on Twitch and YouTube. Uh, and it's just a fun show going over all cool things, MMORPGs. Anyway, let's dive in and I hope to see you in the next podcast. And we should be officially live. Oh, wow. We were like massively zoomed in. I love it. You get the, you really see my eyes. I'm going to get a glass <laughs> of cup of coffee while you say hello. Cup right of coffee. Back. Hello, everyone. Hello to the YouTube and to the Twitch world. Hello, everybody. Hopefully you guys all had a fantastic weekend. I had an incredible weekend playing Blue Protocol, and uh, I know we're going to be talking about that pretty heavily today. I'm very excited uh, to dive into that with you guys. Uh, we've got a pretty epic show. Really exciting stuff. Also some uh, Throne and Liberty news kind of breaking. A little bit of a leakage is happening. Uh, so we got some confirmation that internal alpha is going on over at uh, Amazon this week. Uh, so it's going to be great. I had, uh, and I did use a VPN. Uh, I used ExpressVPN. I think eventually I did get banned, but uh, not before I could actually get some really good time with the game. So I was really quite pleased with all of that. So yeah, I got the VPN up right now. It's not currently on, but I could go, I could, I could shift over to Japan in a second. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Oh man, how was everybody's weekend, by the way? How was everybody's weekend? Did anybody do anything cool? Oh, we're going to be having a countdown uh, to do some fun stuff. Is it officially? Okay, cool. I was like, I was waiting here for the YouTube side of things to start going, but now the YouTube looks like that's actually live as well. So yeah, got hands-on. Uh, Blue Protocol, absolutely fantastic. Can't wait to share more with you guys and Chris here in just kind of a discussion format. Throne of Liberty uh, and Ashes of Creation stuff. Like, it's just absolutely wild. Uh, this is wild. Yeah, the Blue Protocol stuff is all this weekend. I have that posted over on uh, Blue Protocol Central. Uh, so I've got, uh, we've got a community Q&A. Like, I do a deep dive in all the other questions people have asked. Uh, we uh, have uh, have a, you know, archive stream of playing it. Um, just absolutely just, whoo. There's some really good things. I think Blue Protocol is actually going to benefit the Final Fantasy 14 community dramatically too i think there's going to be a big help uh with uh, blue protocol and final fantasy 14 i think these uh two games are gonna be very symbiotic i think there's going to be a really beautiful relationship between these two games uh, especially within the content creation uh verse and, and world so just note that that is going to be all going down let's see here I'm trying to think um chris is getting his coffee and he was doing a podcast with the archivist with the uh, Final Fantasy ar uh, archives, <laughs> Eorzean archives. I was like, why am I drawing a blank on the first word? Eorzean. There we go. So how is, uh, how's your weekend, Chris? How's everything going? It's good. I did an epic bike ride. Yeah? Yeah. I rode like 32, 33 miles. Oh, wow. By myself. That is epic. By myself. It was awesome. That's amazing. It's awesome. I just had like a book on tape and... Mm -hmm some nutrition in my in my bag and um all right uh yeah i can go to see the mileage here it was uh 32.58 
Sweet. Took me two hours and 27 minutes. Oh, dude, that's amazing. Which is yeah. just beyond, just yeah. beyond. That's 13.2 miles per hour. The world record fastest marathon pace on their feet is 13.1 mile an hour. Okay. Which is gross. Right. When you're like, <laughs> like <laughs> what it was is I did a 30 mile ride the week before with a friend yeah. who's a big cyclist. And we came in at 12.1. And then I looked up what the fastest marathon was and was like, they're a full mile an hour faster than me on their feet. Like with shoes. <laughs> with shoes. And like one of them, the soles came out of his, uh, Kipchoge, one of his races, hit the soles came out of his shoes and were like flapping around for the last nine miles of the race and just finished in like a 204. Like, I don't, I don't understand. So. Humans, man, we're freaking incredible. <laughs> Some of us. Some of us. Some of us have achieved If you're going to, if you're going to take individual achievements and apply them to the collective, we I love are doing amazing. That. We are also the biggest YouTubers on the platform again. As humans. As humans. As humans. <laughs> so many subscribers. It's unfreaking real. Uh, We're also and, humans and are also amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I hear your dog uh, wishing to come in. Yeah. Yeah. Woke him up. <laughs> it's like, good morning, Chuck. Good morning. Chuck says hi. If they, whenever you hear that doorbell, just know that's just Chuck. That's just the sweet doggy uh, saying hello to everybody. Go do your thing. I'll talk to chat here because I got some questions. <laughs> All right. So here we got a question from chat. Uh, Fido asking, did I see the previous weekend's Final Fantasy 16 news? I'm wondering if you're talking about like the PAX East information and to which I actually have not yet seen that panel. Um, so if there's anything that you want to discuss or any kind of thoughts you want to share my way, um, I'm. it's interesting because like I kind of go into this aspect where like I know enough about Final Fantasy 16. I mean, it's a Final Fantasy game, so I'm already all in. I am just deciding right now. I'm trying to decide because uh, I have the Ultimate Collector's Edition physical whatever on pre-order. I don't yet own a PS5. So right now I'm trying to think, uh, you know, can I justify both taking time off of work, which would be unpaid time off work, and spending uh, essentially what would amount to $900 to play a PS5 exclusive game that might be exclusive for just the next six months? Or do I delay gratification? Sony says yes. Well, Sony wants me to do that. <laughs> Sony wants Sony, me to Sony's, do that. Sony's massively on board with this theory. Yeah, they're, they're, they're banking. Sony's banking on this theory. Yeah, they're banking on it. They're like, can we get the ginger? on uh ps5 this june so again so the overall cost is not just the 900 it's the taking physical time unpaid time off of work to go ahead and play the game um so it could be a rather like expensive gift that my wife gives me but we're ultimately going to see how everything shakes out with the baby here in the next three to four weeks so we're scheduled to have the baby here on april the 25th uh, if there are no complications and everything's smooth, uh, I'm probably going to lean to picking up 16 on the PS5 uh, just because I'm that much of a Final Fantasy nerd. Um, but we'll see. Like at some point, like if all of a sudden I'm writing big checks because we've had to do big checks for babies before, um, it's easily going to just be like, I'm going to play this in ultra wide on the PC when it comes out in ideally six plus months. You guys are pretty far on the punch card, though, right? In the six. Oh, yeah. Game? Yeah, we're uh, pull the subway sandwich or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the sixth kid you get for, you know, like a 50% off or something like that. So yeah. that's the plan. Yeah. Coupon. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, that, that's what I wish our healthcare system has. All we get is awkward looks and, you know, a couple of comments. 
<laughs> that usually aren't so polite, but it is what it is, right? <laughs> I was like, hey, I got my raid team. So I'm that's all that's what we we're working towards. So we're gonna be able to do some really cool stuff. It won't uh, have any less tension tension than a typical raid team, though. There'll yeah. still be the same amount of shouting and Oh, I wasn't building a raid team because I was worried about like infighting. It'd be all was, the same drama. I was just trying to build a raid team that would actually show up. <laughs> I know where you live and I pay your bills. You better get on tonight. <laughs> you want your cell phone paid? Interesting story about that cell phone bill. Um, we've got uh we've got raid tonight. It's, it's long form RMT. Yeah, exactly. Oh, dude, it's been RMT since the day, you know, <laughs> since day one. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> you want to play video games? I have the game for you. This is perfect. Uh, it's fun, kids. <laughs> yeah, a buddy and I, we went to breakfast this weekend and he said, um, he said, like, he goes, well, you and your wife are just so like, like wildly overly flexible. Like you guys just go do crazy things and you're not always like one of you will go do one without the other. And like, that's just something that like, you guys do. And you guys can only do that because you don't have, like you both have flexible jobs yeah. and you don't have kids. And it's like, y yeah, all things that were choices. Right. So all choices. I, I, I was like, not that we'll change the name of the podcast, but I would advocate at some point as just a part of like an April fool's joke is we change the name to the, to the dink and the six, six. So a dink is sing, uh, dual income, no kids. And in this case, I'm a sissic, which is single income, six kids. So <laughs> I like the words. Julie came up with the word sissic. And I was like, that sounds funny. I'm going to figure out a way to make that really kind of hit home at some point. Yeah. So, yeah. Enjoy your free time. <laughs> it's like, I'm I, do. Of, I do. I do. I play almost as many MMOs. I play as many MMOs as you currently have kids. Yeah, I guess I exactly. Like four weeks to find right. One. You got to find a sixth MMO because that's literally the trade off. So that's that's exactly how we've been running this long con uh, mm -hmm. since we started work the game. We're like, all right, here's what I'm planning on breeding like nothing else. And then you don't have any kids. And then together we're going to have like this weird ass perspective that the Internet's going to adore. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right. So. Uh, coming up on today's show, we're going to be talking about Blue Protocol, My Hands-On Impressions. We're also going to be talking about Throne of Liberty versus Ashes Creation and some interesting stuff here. Because uh, if you guys haven't seen the news, Ashes seemingly is now having their Alpha 2 delayed to 2024. Um, but there's other Saw things that they're everybody. doing. Was right. there no evidence of this? Oh, no. They haven't. Well, like I've been saying with that date now, because a lot of speculation was it was going to be this year, like this summer, perhaps. And I was like, okay, well. Alpha 2, maybe 2025. I might even be reevaluating my uh, my Ashes uh, release date from 2025 to 2026 now, or maybe even later than that. But they're very open about their game and showing it off and doing all these different things. Throne of Liberty, have absolutely no clue, but the news on that one is uh, Amazon kicks off their internal al uh, alpha test of Throne of Liberty this week. And we actually had that confirmed, which is really exciting to see. And then, especially as uh, the show goes on, if we have plenty of time, I got some uh, comments, some questions and things like that to highlight from the Final Fantasy 14 6.4 live letter. Uh, so be sure to uh, check out the, the podcast, the videos, the live stream, all that. Chris is live over on Twitch Monday through Friday. I've been doing a community game day uh, once a month on a Saturday. And uh, that is essentially what you need to know about who we are. Um, to kick the show off right, uh, Chris, this weekend, Blue Protocol, uh, Japanese network test. I was able to play the game. 
Uh, and I love the technology that we have nowadays because I can take screenshots of the game and it translates it for me so I can figure out exactly what I need to do and what I need to know. Um, but I was able to go hands on with this game and there's a few key takeaways that I'd like to highlight for your input here because I think this is interesting. The thing that I can't shake, the thought that I cannot shake having played Blue Protocol this weekend is that I feel like Blue Protocol is going to be a perfect marriage between that game and Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, it is different enough that it invites a less competition mindset. It doesn't require a subscription. It's a free-to-play MMO, uh, but it is MMO. It is very it is very Japanese in that regards. So I feel there will be a natural correlation of people who like Final Fantasy who might also really enjoy Blue Protocol. And in that vein, when we've just been coming off of all like the, the recent, you know, frustrations that certain, you know, content creators or communities have voiced, et cetera, et cetera, this could be that perfect kind of like game that you play alongside of Final Fantasy 14 so that you're never feeling like you're you're leaving 14, but you're still enjoying Blue Protocol for a different reason and it's not necessarily taking away. However, I'd be interested in your thoughts in that regards because of the nature of it being a brand new game, just getting started. Do you think, uh, you know, from everything I've just shared right now, what, what's your takeaway? So to be a naturally paired game with 14, I think that the two-year expansion cycle is something that um, would be really nice to know about. I, I've seen people say that New World could pair well with 14. I've seen people say that Guild Wars could pair well with 14. Um, but a lot of times, like, what ends up happening is eventually you end up with some big content drop where they're timed at the same time. And then you have to decide which one's your primary game because it's really hard to balance patch week if they both patch mm -hmm. in the same week. Yeah. So is there a content update plan? Do they have a, a roadmap as far as like how often they plan on rolling out new content? Excellent question. They do. Is it shared? No. And so we don't know yet what that cadence is, but with any, but that's an excellent point with any launch of any game, uh, you know, especially games as a service, it really comes down to putting out, you know, that consistent content update. So we don't know yet what the rollout is. We do know that it's going to have that ba battle pass seasonal model. So roughly speaking, you could probably start to expect and and I might be misquoting it. So just label this as speculation until I can confirm again. But it seemed like the battle passes were kind of set to either 60 or 90 days. So it could end up being this natural cadence of every two months to every three months that you're going to get content that you're going to have something new to work on in the game. And that could line up, especially if it ends up being every two months. If it was offsetting to where you're like, hey, here's the Final Fantasy patch. And then now you've got a, you have a gap, you know, that splits between. It could end up having that ping pong style effect because you're right. At some point, if the, the update happens exactly at the same time, you have to make a choice. And that's actually what happened with me when I realized that I think I was finally ready to step away from Final Fantasy was... There was a patch for New World and there was a patch for Final Fantasy. And I was like, oh, I want to spend time in column A more than I realized I want to spend, than, than I even realized. So um, that's, yeah, once we have a, a hard set date and stuff like that, I'm sure that we'll have more to kind of really compare apples to apples on. But overall, gameplay-wise, it kind of gave me that Destiny-style feel. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think that Destiny is like a perfect comparison because destiny is 
promises to be this secondary game that allows you to have this drastically different play experience that have elements of it, such as loot system and the storytelling and all these things that feel very at home for an MMO player. They're like, hey, mm -hmm. I'm still figuring out the shooting thing. I'm still trying to understand the loot system, but there are elements of it that feel very easy to adjust to. And all of the frustration comes from content cadence. Uh, and so I think it's a perfect parody uh, because that's my that's my concern with any new MMO. Any new MMO is, is what are they going to do after the initial content? Yes, there is this huge amount on launch. And then we all play it 10 hours a day, every day for 100 days in a row. And then there's nothing. When do we get more? How often do we get more? What does the word more mean? Uh, is more something for every type of player? Are they focusing on one type of player? Is there a new story with every patch? Is the story every other patch? Uh, is the story voiced? Is the story big and meaningful? Is it building to something? Is it building to expansions? Is it finished being told in raids? Uh, or is it something that can be experienced entirely solo? I find it wildly frustrating that Dragonflight was something I really, I enjoyed the storytelling. And then you get to the end and they're like, and there's a boss. And you're like, can I see it? And they're like, no, it's in the raid. And the raid doesn't drop. And then I, and I was like, well, that sucks. And then Destiny drops their new expansion. I was like, wow, I'm having a lot of good times. And there are people that are upset with both these games, but I was having a good time in my personal experience. And in both cases, I got to the end and went, where's the rest? Because it was with this raid that isn't there on launch. So like, those are questions that like when a new MMO comes out, that's something that happens on developed teams that are good at releasing their game. They know what a game is. They've got a marketing machine, they've got servers, they've got all these hard things to figure out, figured out. They've got money parked in all these people. And when a new MMO comes out, it's like, I don't even know if you have working servers. I don't even know if you have like Ryan. a battle system that doesn't just break. I don't know if you can handle the load testing of like a lot of people. And so like I have all these bigger questions for a new new. So if you can't if I can't trust you on those things, then like, what are you going to do as opposed to going with something like Guild Wars or Destiny or Final Fantasy or World of Warcraft, where like, at least I know day and date, the expansion will largely work. Yeah. And you bring up a really, no, you bring up a really interesting point because one of the things that we constantly see is that overconsumption of launch content, which there's no fixing that, right? Everybody's excited. They want to play. Maybe they've scheduled time off and assuming the server's hold up which i have to say like the stability for me playing from america to japan was like really good like i, I like i thought that connection wise they, they the network test they crushed it for the protocol but in terms of that we know the overconsumption. what will be interesting to see is the answer to that question because you cannot create 10 years of content at you know at the time of your launch you can have a massive game but that still will be consumed it's all about those updates and that cadence and one of the things that we saw with Final Fantasy at launch is they had updates very frequently. In fact, even to this day, for those of us who were a part of that ARR launch, who remembers and felt like every every update was significant and exciting. And it was, and then it's like, now you look and it's like, yeah, you are actually getting a lot of content. There's a lot of things over here, but they're not necessarily maybe have that big impact for a veteran player who has been a part of this so many times. So in Blue Protocol's case, the strength that they could have is quicker updates like you know maybe getting to that roadmap to where yeah like yeah we are going to be in this cadence of like let's say every three months that seems to be a normal natural cadence that people are looking towards in terms of how seasons and what's all going on in the real world 
but imagine having them launch and then if nothing else like every week every two weeks it's like hey we're adding this now oh we're adding a couple new floors it doesn't have to be so massive but it has to be like hey by the way and for a player coming in imagine starting in in, in week two week three week four you know and just being a new player then and all of a sudden you're like hey there's an update and all this new stuff for new players is already out you're like oh i can't even I even got to the stuff that was at launch and there's making more and that could essentially kind of drive a lot of hype, a lot of excitement uh, for the game itself. Now, verbal protocol, uh, do you have any concerns of it being a free-to-play MMORPG? No, no, it's not worth worrying about something you can't experience. Um, there are games out there like Guild Wars 2 that I think really manage free-to-play very well. Um, there are games out there like BDO that become very pay-to-win. Uh, but the community seems to be okay with it uh, as far as like the, there is a healthy community around BDO. And then there are games like Diablo Immortal where that is just a constant point of friction and can damage the reputation of the entire publisher. So like I, I think the word free to play just has a huge range. And so it's just not worth getting upset about something that's not released. Um, the exception to that being when they start making it a point of contention. So when companies start collecting... 50, 60, 100, $500 on behalf of players for a game that's not released, that starts to feel a little scammy um, pretty quick. Uh, it doesn't have to be, but it, right. it's, it rides, it's definitely walking a tightrope. Uh, so if you need the money, you got to do it. But uh, if you can avoid that, I think that's a healthier relationship with your community to say, let us show you why you should support us first, yeah. and then we can talk about the money. Um, but when you see studios who have yet to release a product, collecting hundreds of dollars from people, it feels like they're just setting them up. Uh, it's just a feeling. Happy to be wrong. It's just a feeling. Um, so, you know, battle passes, subscriptions, it all comes down to like, what did I actually get? Right? Yeah. When we go to a restaurant, we see the prices on the menu and we order. If you've never been to that restaurant before, you don't know if it's going to be good. You don't know how much food's going to be on the plate. You don't know how fast it's going to come out. There's just a lot of trust in that. And so I don't really find it very healthy to be like upset before you walk into any new restaurant. Like, mm -hmm. let's just say, hey, you're the one that picked it off a of Yelp or whatever. You're the one that agreed to go there. You're trusting them. And if they burn you, don't go back and leave them a bad review. Um, if you keep eating there, that's you. But like, I think that's a very fair, like, I'm willing to trust everybody kind of once. Yeah. Uh, and if somebody tells me, hey, there's a new restaurant in town and it's $500 to eat there. I'm just not going to go. Right. Like that's my yeah. call. Uh, right. And so I feel much less risky trying out a local burger place at $6 than I do somewhere that my wife and I have to dress nice and drop my like, you know, 2005 car off at a valet. Like I, I feel differently. Uh, so I would say that when we talk about these games that have yet to release a product, that's where I actually do start to get hesitant, but I, they haven't done that. Um, so whatever they want to do, knock themselves out. Yeah, I think free to play in this case, while I prefer the buy to play because I see, you know, chat talking about like bots and, and cheaters, a buy to play has an initial cost that is the risk that if you want to cheat or if you want to bot, sure. like all of a sudden you're like, I'm $20 in or whatever the cost is. That's something that I'm either willing to lose. And so we've seen that having some level of cost does remove that aspect of botting and 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 all of that. However, we do know that the free-to-play model, like like do the benefits outweigh the the disadvantages? Do does it make more sense to have more people playing this game? 
And I honestly have to kind of fall into the category of like, yeah, I still wish it was buy, but it's not. It is literally going to be free to play. So understanding the relationship, understanding what their monetization strategy is with the battle pass and how they've got the, because they have a, a gotcha system for the mounts and for the costumes, not for, for power. But okay, like that's what we're going to, that's we, as long as you understand the relationship, what, what, will, what will annoy me is in three weeks or six weeks after launch, all of a sudden it was like, I can't believe I spent 50 grand on this game. And all <laughs> I got was this. And it's like, you did that 50 grand for the content. Like, like that in and of itself, like while it, it's so attention grabbing, it's so highlight. That's why you see people do this. And that's why when anybody ever comes out and says like, all we got to do is gamers is just stop giving these companies money on the free to play games. And uh, I don't know why I'm really feeling Texan right now, but like, I was like, man, I'm, I'm really here my draw at this moment. Um, but you, you see that and it's like, there's no way people are going to go and spend an insane amount of money. They've done so on Genshin. They've done so on all these things. And I think essentially that's just going to lead to the hype. I do have a question for you because Genshin Impact, uh, like, is it a natural comparison uh, for this game? Uh, yeah. Do you think, uh, like... I don't see them as one of the same, but do you think that it, like Blue Protocol is going to benefit off of something like Genshin and thro uh, like uh, Tower of Fantasy, which are which is another anime kind of mobile kind of MMO, not really MMO kind of thing? Anywhere you have parallels, you can hope to convert, right? Like you have somebody who's already interested in giving up their time and their money for a type of game, and so if you can say I'm that same type of game, yeah, you can try to draw those people over because they're known consumers. At the same time, you don't want to tie yourself so much to that that anybody that already knows they don't like Genshin won't like your game. So you've got this kind of like two-faced marketing ploy where you've got like two guys out on the street corner and one is running by all the other identical sandwich shops and is telling people, don't go in there, we have new sandwiches. You have another guy that's running around with a sign looking for people who are like, well, I'm not in the mood for sandwiches. Well, this is not like other sandwiches. This is so like, there's both of that's happening simultaneously. Um, you know, Final Fantasy, is regularly putting up ads on World of Warcraft related websites uh, to focus on how similar these games are. Uh, and World of Warcraft regularly, when they have an expansion, puts ads on Final Fantasy websites for the exact same reason. But then the moment you have somebody who's like, I'm so sick of Final Fantasy, or I'm so sick of World of Warcraft, people are like, well, actually, they're, they're different games. Uh, so like, I, I, I do think there is a natural parallel where people who like the art style or people mm -hmm. who are okay with play or people who prefer games that are made in a certain region because that has certain stereotypes associated with the type of content anywhere that any of that comes to their benefit they're probably going to lean into it anywhere that somebody says i don't like this type of art style or i don't like free-to-play games or i don't like uh more eastern based mmos that's where all of a sudden you start to see that pushback and say like oh well, we're not like the others um so it is literally a yes and no because that's what marketing is going to be tasked with doing it's going to be to draw in every single player that might like the game yeah i think uh, blue protocol is going to be able to benefit from how similar and at the same time how different it is as a theme is putting out like it feels like it's more akin to final fantasy 14 than uh you know genshin but what it can draw in is a, it can draw in that real anime style visual effects from genshin and tara fantasy so immediately players that, that have tried those games out will have uh, eyes on Blue Protocol. And that's a natural thing because art style 
has that connection, but it is more akin to Final Fantasy 14 in terms of its zone design and its player experience and its MMO nature. In fact, like if you played Genshin or Tower of Fantasy looking for an MMO and wishing that Final Fantasy 14 had action combat, like you are the perfect person to come and try out Blue Protocol. Like this feels like a game that was like, hey, here's these, here's the demographic we're trying to hit. And it is Blue Protocol. Genshin Impact, Tower that's, Fantasy, Final Fantasy, you know. That's the dream scenario. Like, that's the dream scenario. Somebody who who wants some of what those games had to offer, they want some of what Final Fantasy XIV has to offer, they want some of what Genshin has to offer, and they say, I'm willing to consume your product as it is, but I wish there was something that did the things I like about you while also doing this other thing. Somebody who's like, man, I, I really prefer the Genshin art style, but right. I love Final Fantasy XIV's community or somebody that plays Genshin and they're like, I wish I had a more substantial experience um, that felt more akin to something like a World of Warcraft or Final Fantasy XIV, where it was yeah. this more ongoing time dump. Um, and and that's, that's the perfect, that becomes your core, right? Yeah. That's your core audience. But you're probably also going to have people who are only playing because it has a couple attributes they like. Right. So where I would say like uh, where I feel like there's a total miss and like chat kind of pointing out, I feel that Blue Protocol is really going to make Fantasy Star Online 2, especially New Genesis, look like they missed the mark greatly by what they attempted to do. You know, and it's like and. And it was such an interesting idea. It's one of the things I said is like, if nothing else, we can look and see if like, is this the right call? But when I look at this and Blue Protocol and and think about like what New Genesis could have been, if they were like, what are we trying to do? What are we trying to make? Because the business model is also evolving off of, off of PSO2. Like it looks like that if nothing else, when I played Blue Protocol this weekend, I legitimately felt like they have studied the heck out of Fantasy Star Online 2 Final and Final Fantasy 14 and then they're putting their you know anime chops to, to like on top of all of this and that's where it's like in terms of communication they copy Final Fantasy 14 to a T. I've heard more from these developers than like anything else. Like it's like you know I know more from right and yoshi p and himself is promoting blue protocol he's like it's going on right now while i'm like I i'm really looking forward to seeing some of these streams final fantasy devs have left square enix and are actually some of the big lead devs of blue protocol like you're talking about the in my mind almost a like i, I can't tell you guys enough just how good this game is how polished it felt we don't know what we don't know and we won't know that until we know it like i can't <laughs> like, i can't tell you how the the service is going to be i can't tell you how the cadence is going to be because that is all about action put to words but i can tell you the foundation of this game is everything and more than what i was hoping for and playing it this weekend an absolute dream it was an absolute dream for me and thanks to everybody who was able to hang out and give questions because like over on Blue Protocol Central, like that channel just crossed over 3000 subs. So thank you guys so much for that support. And that's gonna continue to grow because like, I think a lot of people are really excited about that game and how it releases, but you you made a face when I brought up PSO2 and I'd like to kind of let you kind of weigh in on uh, how do you feel like this would compare to something like uh, New Genesis? So PSO2, unfortunately, wasn't just carrying their own future and destiny in their backpack when they were hiking up the mountain that is relaunching something as big as what they were trying to do. 
They were carrying the hopes and dreams of what it would look like to launch an existing MMO on a new engine. Uh, and that will, that will, and, and based on their success or failure, we knew that that would likely lead to either a, a people feeling really confident and asking publishers for money to create new engines for their MMO, or people knowing that publishers are going to be a little tentative. They're going to be a little like, mm, I don't know that I want to touch that. I, yeah. The last guy fell off the cliff. We're going to just stay down here. Thank you. And so unfortunately, PSO2, which had a whole bunch of different separate issues with it, sadly, when it fell off that cliff, sadly took with it the idea of what a new engine could bring. Um, for anybody that didn't follow PSO2's development, what they were promising to do is as you come up to a point like Final Fantasy XIV with Endwalker or Guild Wars 2 with End of Dragons or World of Warcraft with Shadowlands looking to turn over a new leaf with Dragonflight, there was this idea of when you enter the next era of MMO, once we get past a final shape in Destiny 2, you're going to want to go back and you're going to want to update for modern hardware to have better graphics and a better experience and remove limitations such as current inventory or whatever. You're also going to want to just learn from your mistakes. Maybe you wish your combat system or your boss design could work a little differently, but it's bound by constraints in the structure that you built the game in before. And so without just totally revamping everything, um, you don't want to have this Destiny 1 to Destiny 2, Guild Wars 1 to Guild Wars 2 moment where you have to delete everything or ask everybody to start fresh. You want to carry it over into WoW 2 or into WoW, you know, WoW Final Fantasy 14-2 or whatever. It would be nice if I could carry my character over through a portal onto this new game engine where the class designs could start fresh, the level experience could start fresh, the story could start fresh, and I could have this whole fresh experience, but that it maybe we can carry some of those cosmetics, achievements, titles with us, and in the relationship between WoW Retail and WoW Classic, at any time I could always go back. And so there's this portal in between these games that physically exists, like that I can take my character and it's it's my one character and I can carry them back and forth instead of having a WoW Retail versus WoW Classic all in the same subscription, or a Final Fantasy XIV versus Final Fantasy XI, which are just totally independent, um, or Destiny 1 where it feels like it's almost gone versus yeah. Destiny 2. That's what PSO2 Genesis, they, that's what they offered to solve. And so sadly, like with their struggle, they've also taken with it, I don't really see anybody else hopping up to quickly volunteer to be the one to say, I want to carry legacy content with me into the future. Um, so that's why I grimace when I hear PSO2, because I was really hopeful for what that meant for the future of MMOs, that we finally found a way where you don't have to either be bound by your past decisions, mm -hmm. but you also don't have to delete your past decisions. And those so far have been the two primary ways of dealing with it. Yeah, I, I mean, you summed it up perfectly right there. And again, like I'm, I keep PSO2 like always up to date on my platform and I keep like, oh yeah, I want to jump back in. I want to jump back in. Uh, but then as I look down, you know, just this year alone, we got Throne of Liberty, we've got Blue Protocol, we've got, you know, like so many, like New World Expansion. And so like in terms of it, Diablo 4, like my dance card is, is packed. And where does that game slot in? And the answer ends up being most likely it's just, it's just going to continue to be updated on my hard drive and I'm going to continue to jump in. And then when Blue Protocol is out, I, I even see GTX asking this as a serious question says, uh, do you say the game is polished, but uh, it's great. But what do you think? In your opinion, uh, is it going to have enough challenge uh, to be able to challenge the more popular MMOs? And in this case, like it's a hard, that's such a hard question to answer because no matter what people will compare how other MMOs are now versus how 
blue protocol is at launch and so it's all going to be about content cadence especially right out the gate and if they can have something like if you think of like the first six months of blue protocol as saying like there's an update every month you're gonna you're you're gonna forget about other games for a little bit you're gonna be so excited about the next update because that that hype cycle continues on after the game is launched with more content and then after like six months they could start to shift into kind of a little bit of a slower cadence because they've already set up trust that this game is fun that we're going to keep supporting it because no matter what i've always seen the mmos launch and the the narrative becomes that there just isn't enough content that they aren't supporting the games they aren't communicating and the only way that can be beat is by action you can't like i can tell you all day what my plan is but until you trust that that's actually going to be the case uh that's going to be you know you have to work harder against that and beyond that you also have to work against everybody else's bad uh, mistakes and decisions so everybody's going to look at this and they're going to apply like they're going to compare amazon to google and say ah if it doesn't work out they're just going to shut it down they're going to make these false equivalencies and so you have to work like 10 times as hard to really establish that what you are saying you're going to do you do uh, and the only way you do that is with action because no one is going to believe a single word you say you will have like a diehard 10 percent that's like all in you know but everybody else is just like well we'll see it when, we'll see it when it when i see it what do you think chris i think that yeah that that first patch cycle whatever that means is the most important um and so maybe you have your season launch after like a month or two because you want people to focus on the initial content of the game and then you want your seasonal content to feel like an update and then that season lasts and it's your biggest season because it's got all these new modes and then the second yeah. season reuses 75 percent of that and introduces even more um, and so you want those first patches to be really loaded. So they could either be really fast, like Brian described, or they could be um, just bigger. And if they're bigger, do you stagger them? Like where your first one is actually at like a half cycle. So if you're going for four month cycles, does the first one come in two months and then every four after? Um, you know, and so like, how do you, how do you slam it so that people, when they come back for more, have more? Ideally, in the perfect world, every player is going to consume it at a different rate. But in a perfect world, the very first big content patch is just on the edge of the horizon, right as you hit your 50 point. Mm -hmm. Not full burnout, not still chewing on it, but you are just getting to the last bite of content that you want to do out of the initial serving. And the waiter shows up and takes that plate away and you see the dessert tray coming down the aisle. Like that's the perfect timing. Um, and that's a hard timing to hit because we're all consuming at different rates. There will be people that hit a new game at 50 hours a week. And there will be people that hit a new game two weeks late at two weeks, two hours per week. How do you satisfy both those sets of players? Uh, especially because once a narrative spins up online, sometimes it's really hard to get past that. That narrative might be well-earned. Google giving up on projects is a well-earned narrative. Yeah. But you can see how that would be very frustrating if you were in charge of a project at Google or at another company like Google, like Amazon, that you have to live with the reputation that was earned by a decade plus of dropping projects. And so while it is technically unfair uh, to say that Amazon's going to drop New World if it doesn't make money or they're going to drop any of these other games they're publishing if they don't make money, it might be unfair, but it's also reality. Like we have that feeling, that feeling's well-earned and telling us that we just shouldn't have that feeling anymore isn't, that's not gonna hold any water. Like I know why I feel that way and it's up to them to say, I'm not interested in fighting people that feel like that. Well then get out of the space.
Because like your only option is to come into the space and fight that head on or to not be in the space. There is no option for Amazon to come in and just be given unlimited trust like some of these right. indie devs are. Yeah. Um, after the creation has been given a huge amount of trust Ooh. that they have not had to earn. And I'm uh. sure as an Amazon employee, Amazon Game Studios employee, that would be very frustrating that they're like, and we're going to make combat that's going to be balanced. So did you hear that everybody? It's going to be balanced. And then Amazon's like, let me show you the six different tenets of what our combat system entails and how we view that as being balanced. We also have this plan B and C on whether or even if it's not balanced so that we can quickly pivot and we're going to have all these PTRs and beta tests and people are like, yeah, it's probably going to suck. Like, it, sorry, like, I don't know. Don't work at Amazon. Like, I don't know what to tell you. You guys just, you have a company that has left a bad taste in people's mouths and is at a size where it also shares in some of the bad taste that similar companies have left in people's mouths. And you have to just take that on straightforward. You have to just yeah, start doing up. better today. Yeah, heads on. And it essentially kind of has to wrap up uh, this section. Uh, hit that like button if you haven't learned. <laughs> the, uh, in terms of that, when we look at where PSO2 also went dramatically wrong was massive gaps in, in content after New Genesis launched. So I think it really is going to be, it is about that uh, cadence. And I think if you're looking to launch an MMO, it's not just about establishing a doable uh, cadence that you don't burn out your team and they quit on you because that that is a reality you have to work on an HR if everybody's just miserable like you know they're just going to go somewhere else where they're like less miserable but sure. in terms of it like put out content and then look at that look at that first six months as like the golden age in which that if you keep putting out lots of content gamers will more than happily cheer you on when you say listen I know we've been putting out content at an insane speed we're going to slow that down we're going to make sure it's better we're going to make sure that it's bigger but we're going to have a little bit of bigger gaps and gamers are going to be all on board. But if you have long gaps, it's just going to lead people to question and just think that the game's dying when when it really isn't because gamers making uh, that that uh, assumption overall. Now, on that note, we brought up uh, Throne of Liberty and Ash as a creation, especially as it relates to trust. And I see some awesome comments in chat as well. So we'll jump into those in just a little bit. But for Throne of Liberty, here's the interesting thing that's going on. Like today we learned that Amazon is having its internal alpha test. But when we contrast Throne and Liberty to Ashes of Creation, we are looking at an interesting case study of two different games and how they're they're proceeding to communicate. We roughly know very little about uh, Throne and Liberty, like when it comes to what it is. I feel like I know a ton about Ashes of Creation and the devs in their latest live stream have confirmed that Ashes is Alpha 2, which a lot of people are expecting this year, might not make it this year it might actually shift to 2024 which from an alpha perspective i was thinking this game out you know ashes would probably be a 2025 game that might not no longer be the case it might be a 2026 game do you think the marketing is going to end up cannibalizing everything that ashes is uh set to be unique uh and, you know and then obviously what do you think about throne of liberty um you know getting ready to, to launch as well like where do you fall the longer Ashes takes to release a product, the better that product has to be. And the problem is that if they had announced Ashes of Creation was coming out the day after people even found out what it was, the expectations from a lot of gamers would have been like, what the hell is it? So it would have been set at like a 1%. But that is slowly climbing. And there's going to come a point, and it'll vary by gamer, but there's going to come a point when the game has to be over 100% good meaning it has to be the greatest game of all time and then some. It has to not just defy expectations, it has to introduce you to new expectations that you didn't even think of and then defy those. 
And like there will come a point where it is just so close to infinity that it wouldn't matter if they had a smooth launch with no cues, all working content, perfectly balanced with a good patch cadence, it won't matter because we will have tied so many of our hopes and dreams to it by that point that people will still find a reason to be angry because they will have felt stretched over just years. And that's not gonna be what's happened. It's a brand new studio. It's not going to be a smooth launch. There's gonna be so much hype around it. It's gonna get hit with 2 million concurrents that opening hour. And there's not a company in the world that can make 2 million concurrents a flawless experience. So like, I'm saying even if it was perfect, there would be people that find a reason to be upset and it won't be perfect. And it won't be allowed to have the same amount of problems that we would traditionally cut another game. Larry Zar's game is available for demo today. Mm -hmm. And I hope people have a blast. Belial and, and his team released their game not all that long ago. And, it's, and the reviews have been overwhelmingly positive. That doesn't mean those were flawless games, but they also had substantially less hype around them than Ashes. And so people could say, hey, I have some feedback and the devs could respond on that. It didn't immediately have to be, you lied to me for four years or whatever the development cycle ends up being. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know how long Ashes, Ashes has been, it feels like it's been four years already. Uh, yeah, I think according to the Kickstarter, it was actually, that's why a lot of people were like die on the hill that the game is coming out in 2020. It's because I believe that according to the Kickstarter, the game is going to launch in 2020. And it's like, I don't see that happening. Like, at, let's add a couple of years to that. And I just continue to have been adding years to it. Now, uh, chat saying, go ahead. Save our, we joked that it would save our marriage, but I think Fido's right. Like at this point, it needs to like undivorce my parents. It needs to bring back my childhood dog. Like it's just going to get bigger. Gotta be a country song, like one of the happy ones. <laughs> the uh, chat's asking, how much do we like? How do we know more about Ashes than Throne of Liberty? Uh, neither have a uh, game has produced a product yet. Well, that's like I wouldn't talk about actually that one game has launched and the other hasn't. I'm talking about in terms of gameplay footage in and of itself. Like we've only seen trailers for Throne. Like the people who've played it are on like severe NA uh, NDA lockdown local testing only. It is like. To get a leak and to get some information, you have a lot of people speculating wildly about Throne. Ashes, we've seen people actually play that game, and we know that it's a while off. I feel like I could tell you what Ashes is, while with Throne of Liberty, if you ask me if it's action combat or tab targeting, I'd say, jury's out. <laughs> we People believe different things about what kind of combat, even combat system it is. Now, whether that works out in their favor, we won't know until the game launches. One of the things we've seen in terms of video game marketing is we've seen some trends of games like, and you can play it now, as opposed to here's the information to letting people talk and speculate and having a narrative set that is set by social media. And so when it comes down to it, if Throne of Liberty is a good game, it like that's the, obviously the only rule when, that you need, but it will be interesting to see it actually get to a chance where you're actively playing it and learning more about it as you play it, as opposed to being like a game that you've seen this, you've seen this play out and the running the risk of you've seen how it changed. And so they've said something like Ashes has said a lot of things. There's a lot of public statements about what that game is and what it will do. And there's no guarantee that any of that will launch. And I think that automatically starts having you lose points as opposed to like earning points of what it did right. What do you think, Chris? I think by the time we know as much about Throne as we do about Ashes, it will be in the same spot. 
Like, I think it's just a, it's just a different point in the life cycle. Like, like our grandparents generation sometimes says that like our parents generation were just a bunch of like slackers, know, slackers and hippies and people that wanted to just hug trees and didn't understand the reality of the world. And then that group aged into being the ones in charge. And now they're saying that our generation is a bunch of slackers and hippies and just want to hug trees and don't know how the world really works. And as you and I, you know, shift into that kind of mid thirties to mid forties timeframe and start to be the ones where like, I have friends who are starting to have substantial roles in companies and in local, local leadership. And some of them are starting to say things they've never said before. Like I might run for political office one day, just at like the community level. It's like, that's how it starts. And like, we're getting to that point where our generation is starting to be slowly a little more represented. I'm starting to see them look at the generation behind us and say they're just a bunch of slackers and hippies and just want to hug trees. And it's like, so like the MMO life cycle is the exact same thing. There is this release that there is theoretically an MMO coming out and we don't know anything about the studio or the publisher or the monetization or anything. And everybody's like, oh my God, that's going to be the game that finally gets it right and understands that you have to care about players and you have to create this great dev environment and that it can't just be about money, you greedy, selfish jerks. And then as we slowly learn about it, they realize, well, they're just compromising and they just want money and they're just they're just looking to release a product, even if it's not fully ready. And then it just slowly degrades. Um, and so we're talking about Throne of Liberty now, but I feel like we could play this exact same video back for the Riot MMO. Mm -hmm. And then we could, yeah. play, we could, and then there's probably another one on the horizon today. Put any three words in order. Somebody's made that as an MMO. And so the, the you know, the coffee muffin bowl is, is the next MMO on the horizon. And it's going to be published by, um, it's going to be self-published as a Kickstarter. And then and people are already ready. Like I just made that up and there's already a Kickstarter and, and people are already sure that it's going to be the greatest game of all time. Um, but the moment that we find out that that one is tab target or action combat or first person shooter or something like that, like coffee muffin bowl's dead. We got to find the next thing now. Like it's, it's trash. It's trash. Uh, and so like, that's where I see Throne of Liberty. That's why anytime we have these conversations, like I'm not the hype guy because I don't get enough joy out of the feeling of the unknown to make up for all the cynicism from just years and years and years of finding out that every game is just a game. And I don't mean that as like, well, then why even play them? I think just a game is a perfectly valid target. Like when I log into a game, I just want it to be a game. I'm not looking for it to, to fix a plumbing leak in my house like i just want it to be a game so like i'm okay with that but it means that i don't get to i'm a little bit jealous that i don't get to have these amazing highs that everybody else has so like i think throne of liberty is exactly where ashes is assuming they choose to communicate just as much and that they take just as long to produce literally nothing like if you sit there like ashes is a question of like what if i communicated all the time and then released nothing like now we know people are eventually gonna get mad now, Solid912 in chat says, Ashes, I feel, will take too long to come out. And by that point, other MMOs will slowly incorporate features into their game. They won't be entirely uh, what Ashes is, but they will offer the fandom at home. And I was actually talking about uh, talking with this idea with you over the weekend, being that they're kind of saying we're building these systems and these are what they're doing. Any development team with any kind of budget is going to be able to incorporate those ideas. <laughs> what do you think? uh maybe ideas are the cheap part ideas are the cheap yeah. part uh everybody everybody wants credit for their ideas if somebody else went and did it but the world pays for execution 
Uh, trust me, as a guy that likes to live in his own brain and not get anything done, I can tell you I was only ever paid when I actually got off my butt and did something. Uh, and so execution is what people pay for. The idea for a YouTube video is nothing. Actually building the thing and hitting publish determines who gets the views. Uh, there are a thousand ideas out there that never hit publish and, and none of them matter. We're only talking about which is the best one that hit publish. It's the same with games. It's the same with whatever job you have in whatever industry. There are a lot of people that say that they want medical to be better in the United States or if politicians were just better. Great. Ideas are easy because you can just point at something and say, like, I would just make it good. Actually going out and doing it is where you start to realize that a lot of times it's not about that. A lot of times there's five options and all of them have at least a little bad. So you got to pick which door to walk through and you get some pros and you get some cons. And you may disagree with what door somebody else walked through, but there was no all good door. Uh, that was not one of the options. And we see this in game dev on existing games when they have to make decisions on when to release a patch, when to delay a patch, when to, to release a partial patch. Um, when something should cost extra money. These are things where like somebody had to answer real questions with real actions and it was no longer theoretical anymore. Uh, so like that's like, yes, Ashes is releasing a lot of ideas and they're crowdsourcing like whether or not people like those ideas. But effectively at this point, it's about as useful to game dev as a crap ton of Twitter polls. Like it doesn't actually do anything. <laughs> Because they said, like, well, if it were us, we would just release a game on launch with no problems. Well, that's a great idea. Why didn't anybody else think of that? Oh, because it's impossible. Like, New World had the backing of Amazon. World of Warcraft has the backing of Activision Blizzard. And soon, Microsoft. Final Fantasy XIV has the backing of all of Square Enix. And these are games that have problems on launches. So for you, with what, 43 million is a lot of money for one person. But for you, with a fraction of the budget of those games to go, well, if it were me, I would just stop being greedy and I would just make it good. Like, yeah, I guess to, I guess we could take that idea from Ashes. I just don't know how you do anything with it. Um, their combat system and all of that, like there's nothing there that's so new and so groundbreaking that they've shown, here's all the problems it solves, here's how to do it. And then somebody can just lift that and carry it. Um, I have a feeling that the Blizzard team is big enough that they already have all the they have already had all the ideas that Ashes has had, and they have actually probably tested and built many of them. And that's just one game. Um, yeah. Well, and then that comes down to the the, the point that I was one that's going to jump in on is that the concept of risk and actually is this fun? Is it fun to have five thousand, ten thousand, fifty thousand players all in the same space? Uh, we don't know because there's certain like requirements and if somebody can do it right then everybody will look at that and say oh that's exactly how it should always be and that sets a mold but whenever you're talking about new systems or incorporating these ideas there's going to be a risk associated with it because you got to put people on it and then you got to also think through how these systems interact and i think especially when it comes to mmorpgs it's really in how they synergize with the other systems that the game offers themselves because otherwise you run the risk of just like building these little isolated like little things that don't really mean much outside of maybe a handful of people who engage with it. But at the end of the day, it's very interesting to me that they are so willing and open with that information because I think that's actually going to be something that bite could or runs a higher risk of biting them in the ass in the long run. Being that you said this, you didn't deliver on this. You said this, you didn't deliver on this. In fact, when Yoshi P took over, they launched ARR. Even the Final Fantasy players went through everything he said 
and then they put it in a checklist. Now, a lot of that stuff eventually also got in, but it's there's a function of time that's a, that's going to be applied. So it doesn't necessarily mean right away, but I guarantee you there's going to be gamers out there that are gonna be like, you said this, where is it? And they might be like, yeah, it's gonna be coming in the next six months to two years. You didn't say two years after launch, you're a liar. And then all of a sudden you have that aspect of trust, which is which has now been damaged by your own willingness to be open. And that's just the understanding that some gamers are reasonable but it becomes a difficult conversation the bigger that you make that group. Like you can sit here and say, yeah, for the, the, the quiet majority of gamers, we're like, yeah, okay, that makes sense that it's not ready. Okay, I've got other things to do, but there's going to be that impassioned you know, group that's just not going to be interested in having that discussion or being interested in waiting because they feel that they're betrayed by some action. And then in terms of other development teams, like how I would run that is... You kind of like within the budget, if you got the team, you can go and try to see if you can make it kind of fun. And if it's something that's just not coming together or doesn't fit your vision for your game, you can say, we'll let Ash just take that shot to the face. And if they come out of it, then great. Then we then we can start to incorporate some of this. So you can actually kind of use Ashes as kind of this, you know, shield of like, let's let them take the risk and see what works. And that's actually like, we do need that in the industry. And that's where I could easily see that if Ashes comes out hey you know like okay but not necessarily great low on funding having issues with servers but the game play, the play is good and it's delivering on these things and people are excited about it that's an easy check that gets them acquired and puts them into one of the big companies that can actually financially support oh, it. imagine the backlash if he sells oh if he I think sells out to amazon or something oh i think that's that's probably going to that that is the path if if the game does not deliver and it, it's between shutting down, like again, if the gameplay is good, but again, it's going to appeal to more of that niche style player. It's not as this big global phenomenon that it could be. I think that's just the natural way about it. And that ends up not being a bad thing. That's not a bad story. That you built something that has a lot of value and this team that actually has insane amounts of money could support it. I, I wouldn't put it past, I wouldn't put it past Amazon uh, in this case. Um, I, I got one more live comment and we can see if we can also get to our uh, other comments. We, I've, I've been collecting them and we keep having these great conversations with you guys because you keep bringing up awesome stuff while live. Uh, but uh, Paul says, I'm intrigued by you guys. Do you consider the hype of uh, uh, hype and speculation as the same thing when considering the future uh, a future game release? What do you think, Chris? I mean, they're the same in the same way that like anger and rage are the same word. Like, I think they they can often overlap, um, but hype can also be excitement for something that is very well known and understood and maybe even exists elsewhere, right? Mm -hmm. um, a new game, a new WoW clone releasing on t Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle IP would have a lot of hype around it, but we wouldn't really have to speculate what that's going to be like. We can all immediately picture, um, you know, going through a WoW-like experience on a Ninja Turtle uh, it, it doesn't require a big leap of faith, um, but it's still very exciting because it's an IP we know and love uh, in a space that we already understand. On the other side of it, speculation doesn't always mean that we're super duper hyped. Uh, sometimes speculation is just guesswork and it's people going through and running the math on something or something like that. You know, when you look at somebody like CoffeeZilla, uh, he, he actually takes a lot of logical facts and then will sometimes speculate about what that may mean anywhere he doesn't have hard evidence, but not in a way that is just driven by the excitement of it. So like the words don't always mean the same thing, 
but in the MMORPG space specifically, talking about titles that have not yet released specifically, a lot of times they coincide. It's the same forum where some people are just there to speculate and some people are there just kappa kappa, like they're just freaking out. It's just emotes and they're just excited. Um, and they're not really adding anything as far as like, oh, well, based on this detail, that might, it's just generalized hype. I think of hype kind of as the, uh, like a river, right? Like it's like the bigger the river, like the more power that it has and the more things that can get swept up away with it. And speculation in my view is where you start to look at information and like Chris said, kind of fill in the gaps of what is known and then what is unknown. And you can use education. You can use like uh, all kinds of data points to try and fill these things in. Our brains naturally do that. I think it's important that we try and label when we're speculating uh, very clearly because the internet has a tendency to selectively hear things and that ends up causing more confusion. So you can end up seeing somebody speculating and stating that like, hey guys, we're in speculation mode here. Here's the facts that we do know. Here's what we don't know, but based off of X, Y, and Z, we can start to kind of get a clearer picture, uh, all driven by hype. Because the more hype, the more that that river is sweeping things up, the more people you're going to just pick up. And the bigger uh, your your audience, the bigger your reach ends up becoming. Hype it has that, but it isn't real. Like, it isn't sustainable. Uh, and that's where I think hype has the, the tendency to be a double-edged sword, if not managed correctly, if you let speculation go crazy and wild because you could set wrong expectations with speculation you can easily start to sit here and say oh i think that this game is going to have crossplay well because the devs said that they're working on it some people might hear this game has crossplay and then if it doesn't end up coming to be true you end up running the risk of now someone's disappointed based off of something that was never really true to begin with but something that they're working towards. And so when it comes down to it, that's where I think what I'd love to see within the space of MMO players is get to a position where we all can start to sit here and say, hype is fine. It's necessary. It helps drive investment. It helps get you get the devs excited. There's all of that. There's nothing wrong with being caught up in being a bandwagon fan of your winning soccer team and whatever. Like there's like, yeah, let's go but it's unsustainable. You will not be able to keep that same pace. It will burn you out. It will make you sick. <laughs> like, and there's a reason why it's fun to be a part of those movements. And then it's fine to kind of chill back and relax. But in that la lessening of hype does not necessarily mean that the game isn't good. And that's where I, I see a lot of people like, Hey, the game's not hype right now must be a bad game. And it's like, I don't know how to have a conversation with you at this point, because like, how do you think, if hype is all that you play games for, I don't know how you maintain that over the course of a year without like severely getting depressed because that just feels like you're just building yourself to be bipolar at that point where you have these real big highs and these real big lows. And that just does not seem like a fun hobby. And, and you know, and, and how I view it. Any final thoughts, Chris? No, I, I think that that pretty much hits it. Um, we speculate about all sorts of upcoming content and games, especially well-documented games like Final Fantasy XIV. That doesn't mean that we're mm -hmm. hyped that those things will come to be. But like you said, where it's dangerous is is when we start taking the conjecture that's in the mix, right? So we've got these four facts. So logically, it would make sense that this thing is true, and then that gets accepted as true. And that on its own is probably not that dangerous. It's probably not that far from reality. Um, but then somebody based on that fact builds on a new fact and then a new fact. And then by the time you're five deep, you know for a fact that Blitzball is coming to Final Fantasy XIV. 
uh, and then it's going to be here on the next patch. And then all of a sudden people are really hurt. And it's like, that was based on an assumption off of an assumption off of an assumption off of an assumption. So like we are so far removed from the initial statements that were made. Yeah. Uh, where maybe, especially with phrases like we're looking into it, we're considering, we've taken feedback on, which don't actually tie them to any action. It just mm -hmm. says, Hey, we're aware of this. We're spending effort thinking about it. That doesn't mean anything will make it into game. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, forgive me if I'm mispronouncing it, Yendrin uh, in chat says, do you guys think early previews like what Ashes did helps build unrealistic expectations versus previews uh, that are very limited until months before launch, like Final Fantasy 16? Uh, I said this, especially as it relates to 16, don't tell me about it until, you re until I'm ready to play, play it. Uh, because essentially what it does is set up false expectations. It sets up this sense of like, you're going into the game. Like I've been looking forward to this game for 10 years and it's going to have 10 years of quality to it because of this. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like it's actually probably a bad sign how, how long something takes to, to build because everybody forgets about the human resources component of game dev. You know, it's like, Hey, you're going to work at, you know, six to seven, you know, years at a job, maybe, maybe less that knowledge is going to transfer out. You're going to have you know, hiccups and like game development is this miraculous thing that actually happens it's just to me like just the sheer amount of effort to make these big games it's amazing but it's risky and so i think what ashes did is interesting because it helps do what he's doing he's selling people a product without there being a product this could work out in his favor or it could end up in a lot of lawsuits uh just understand where you're coming from what you're getting into and where your money is going. And that's not just with the Kickstarter, but that's also with the, the pre-order pack and things like that within Ashes. And his marketing is about making those sales. His business model is about making those sales. And it's if right, it's his background, multi-level marketing is his background. And having marketing and real estate flipping is his background. Right. And so he's doing what he knows. Yeah. That's what he's good at. Yeah. So when it comes down to it, like that, that concern uh, concerns me. It's concerned me from day one. Again, I'm rooting for this game for the ashes faithful out there that like, I don't want this game to fail, but there are so many red flags that in and of itself, if you can't see those red flags and the game is not good or what you wanted it to be, you need to do some self-reflection. You need to look in the mirror and start to kind of like, hopefully use this as an unfortunate education. Now, again, I hope they come out and crush it. I hope people can look back in this and like, Brian, you were wrong. Like they've done a great job. Like, great. Like that's what we're all rooting for. But when it comes down to it, like understanding gamers and how we think and how we process information, I think ultimately is going to set up a lot of expectations. I think a lot of people think what he's building has broad, massive appeal, where I think in reality, it's going to be, you know, best case scenario, a good MMO that has a good population. I don't think it's going to replace or do what World of Warcraft does. And if, and everybody who says that that's what's going to be the case, I think they're going to find themselves wondering why Ashes is not, you know, 12 million active players all at the same time. You know, like that in and of itself right. is going to be right. where I, I get they concerned. They said during it that they didn't expect it to be big because it has a niche appeal. And then as separate statements, they said that they think that MMOs have lost their way um, since the years of Wrath of the Lich King and that they're going to bring it back. And so they expect it to have that level of impact, which implies that they expect it to have that level of success. And so they're saying it won't be big. It won't appeal to everybody. 
because not everybody wants this kind of game. And that is why we're so good at our values that it will be big and it will appeal to everybody. Like if you listen to all those statements too close together, clipped from a series of months, it starts to feel a little bit conflicting. And that's just what happens when you listen to somebody talk about an ongoing project is their views do change and morph from day to day, week to week, patch to patch. And you're seeing all of that and you're seeing it all within the pre-development timeframe. So the game hasn't moved forward at all publicly, um, but the feelings around what the game could be has. And so it's easy to go clip statements from various and see that it conflicts. And that just gets really, it's like, well, then what do I believe? Do I believe when you hadn't yet built anything to show us? Do I believe when you started to be ready to show us things? Do I believe your most recent statement? Because they don't all line up. And the advantage of something like Final Fantasy 16 is there just haven't been very many of those statements. So like Yoshi P can only be so different from when he first talked about the game publicly to now, because there's only been like, you know, a handful of interviews compared to Steven being live quite a bit. Yeah. Now I have time for one final question and I thought this was a good one. So we'll wrap up on today's show on this one. Thanks everybody for joining us. We'll be live again tomorrow and we have a ton of uh, comments, ton of questions. So keep bringing them because these shows have been just getting more and more fun, more and more jam-packed. Uh, so we appreciate all y'all for hanging out with us live. Be sure to hit that like button, sub, share, and all that wonderful stuff as it's a great way of helping uh, these kind of discussions, especially around MMOs, continue to grow and ideally help to help set a good, you know, uh, blood sugar level, good balance to everybody's day. Now, uh, B, uh, Bofi, Bo, uh, Bobi, uh, sorry for butchering your name, says, how much do you think the release of Diablo 4 and new WoW patch will impact the release of something like Throne of Liberty? Does uh, the new WoW patch is speculated to release a month before Diablo 4? I believe I saw May 2nd as what they're looking for for 10.1. What do you think, Chris? I mean, the game the game space is packed. And so, like, if there's 100 games releasing in a year, any one of us is probably only interested in four or five of them, and we'll probably only make time for a couple of them. Uh, and so when those dates get really close together, they're always close to something. Yeah. So like, if you're going to try to pick a day that's not used in the gaming space, they don't exist. Uh, especially when you're covering live service games where existing titles are also taking up multiple days throughout the year with patches, half patches, live letters, and so on. So like every game is is competing for time. Um, so my question would be how much overlap is there in the player population? So if you have a game that contains this set of players and you have another game that contains this set of players, how many unique IP addresses do you have? Uh, or are they starting to overlap where it's like, oh, that's that's all the same people? Uh, that's all the same Mac addresses. Like that's that that's the exact same players, exact same credit card information, exact same, you know, effectively login credential. Uh, and so like when you get to that point, that's where you start to have an impact. That point where Brian had been kind of wrapping up his goals with Final Fantasy 14, feeling that End uh, Endwalker was a good wrapping up point if there ever was a time to step away and play other things for a while. Um, and maybe never come back, maybe come back doesn't really matter, but for now just step away. That was already something he was feeling after Endwalker. He's not alone in that. But what, what the final catalyst was, was the day that New World had a huge amount of content dropping the same time as Final Fantasy, and he had to make a choice. And so what the question here really is, is, is there a heavy overlap between Diablo 4 and World of Warcraft? There probably is some. The Blizzard space has a lot of it. There are a lot of people who don't play any Blizzard game because it's Blizzard. The exact same is true of some people. I play everything that's Blizzard because it's Blizzard uh, or whatever. So that's that's probably um, an impact. Throne of Liberty, on the other hand, I don't really... The people I know that would play a Diablo game or would play World of Warcraft are not the same people I know that would play Throne of Liberty. 
Uh, and so I don't think there's a lot of, um, I don't think there's a lot of overlap there, but there might be, there might right. be, I might be totally wrong. There might be a ton of wow players yeah. who just like MMOs, in which case they maybe don't like Diablo two, Diablo four. So, well, uh, Diablo four, I think with its, yeah, I think with Diablo four's MMO and shared world, it's going to have that tighter relationship, which will work better for it. And then being able to jump between the two in regards of it though, I don't think about the hardcore because you're right. Like there might not necessarily be a diehard Diablo four player who is like all ready to learn about throne Liberty. However, when you start to think about the, the bigger global hype population, I don't think you can be hyped for two games at the same time. You're going to have to make a choice. And my choice is that when you start to establish a known IP and yes, throne of Liberty is based off of lineage, which is a known IP, but it necessarily not like a worldwide absolute like number crunching here in the west and again i'm not trying to insult the, the the lineage fans like i'm just trying to call it like i think diablo 4 has a western bigger broader appeal than something that you know lineage might in this case but you go over to the east i think that probably reverses and flips but in terms of that i think what you want to do is why why compete against an established ip when you could easily wait a month because you're going to have that rush. You're going to have that initial like, all right, I went and played the initial content offering. That was really cool. Oh, hey, there's a new launch coming up for this other game. And it's got some of the things I like. It does some things differently. I'm going to go check it out because it's doing also new things. And I think one of the things that will help MMOs outside the content cadence, because again, that's going to be key in keeping players. But in terms of actually like, getting you in it's like oh this game is doing some new things it's evolving things it's doing things you haven't seen yet that wow isn't doing that diablo isn't doing that this isn't doing or that so i don't think you i wouldn't go toe-to-toe -to -toe because there is a there is a shared player i think that's going to be interested in both and i think you sure. let them you let them go and enjoy diablo 4 which has already got a date throne liberty doesn't have a date and you and you get that ready so that you're not just launching throne of liberty but you're all like you're like great we're we're hitting this next update and then this next update and then this next update because just like blue protocol it's going to be about content cadence as soon as that game launches you have millions of gamers there are gamers that don't like any of those three titles and there are gamers that like all three of those titles there's just too many of us for like statistical anomalies not to happen but then my question is what do you do when there's not you said like well it's not that hard to just push it by a month yeah when you're only looking at two other games but when you start to go drop fan fest and and Final Fantasy patches in there. And then you drop Final Fantasy 16 in that list. And then you drop uh, the new Vampire Survivors mm. expansion into it. Like if you just start to put on a calendar every single game that's releasing that has a fan base, there's not a month. You're going to have to just pick one. Like you're always going to conflict. Um, there is no like, okay, well, I talked to every video game that's releasing and nobody's using July 2nd. So yeah. I'm going to like, th there's not a day. Um, gaming has gotten too big as an industry. We have 365 days of coverage at this point. Um, there's always a game that is on the horizon or a press release releasing or a beta coming out or PTR access or a patch update. There's always something to do. Um, free login campaigns, Twitch drops. There, there's always something to do. Um, if your net of games is big enough. Now, whether or not any one particular player's exact list lines up with that may vary. Some of us may feel, man, I like 10 games and I had to go a whole month without anything. That's going to happen for any one player. But gaming as a whole, who is interested in thousands of games, um, 
it's it's all covered. So I, I think that I think it's just the nature of it. Uh, you're going to have to compete with people. So if you yeah. feel that your overlap, if you just in order say like people who like my game will also like, uh, you know, people who bought this will also put in their cart all these items and you pick these five games. Maybe those five are worth trying to avoid their dates if it's all the same to you. Um, but if that list gets too big, you just got to hit release when it's right. If it's ready, ship it. Absolutely. Michael W hitting the membership over here on the YouTube side of things. For those of you on YouTube, if you want to go hit that Twitch link right now, uh, we're going to be talking about the drops campaign, but I would be recommending lurking on it because uh, to get everything on this drops campaign, Chris, how many hours do you think somebody has to, to lurk on uh, the stream for this uh, new season one drop campaign? What's your best guess? How long does it run? A week? Runs to May the 4th. Be okay, with you. So 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 it runs for a full month so everybody's gonna want to be able to get the drops within 24 hours because it has 31 days so i would guess don't look at chat eight hours <laughs> 20 hours chat has the right <laughs> <to screw. laughs> oh, 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 oh baby now, hold on hold on so when guild wars did their big drop campaign the first reward was at like 30 minutes and then you had to accept it before moving to the next reward. And then there was one for like an hour. And then you had to accept it before you moved on to the next reward. And so if you were going to lurk, the first day you lurk, you'd get the 30 minute reward, even though your computer was like, people like, I like went to work and left my computer on all day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's not what they're trying to reward. So it took, so it was broken into like five milestones. So even though right. it was only like six hours total or something, it was like five separate streams if you're a, if you're like truly afk have they done that here so in this case like chat's uh confirming as well like this is interesting so it's like there's five pieces you get one piece per every four hours you okay. watch all 20 hours you get all five pieces does not seem to have to be like oh confirm this drop so it literally could be okay. uh brian's streaming tonight guys just come and <laughs> hang out while you can just hang out second tab yeah, just hang out Second tab on second your phone. Tab. We're perfect second tab people. <laughs> we're, we're somebody who like, I don't know. You like are doing dishes all day for some reason. Cause you got like the world's largest pile of dirty dishes. Your hands are wet. We're yeah. on the phone. Don't even worry about it. Yeah, don't you, don't need to, you don't need to reach out with those wet hands and touch your phone. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. But excellent, excellent. as part of the first topic, I think it's, we're going to jump in uh, today's show. We're going to be talking about y'all's comments, especially as it relates uh, to previous videos, especially uh, Final Fantasy XIV's live letter, but we'll start off in New World because we're playing New World today is season one. After a one week delay, you watched the uh, the dev Q and A, and Scott sat down and had a you know I think a very heartfelt kind of message at the start of the video. Somebody who was actively like following, I'm like okay yeah this is the this is a really good moment for him to come out and you know apologize for like missing by a week. How did you, as the uh, as a, a new world player, but not necessarily as like weirdly into it as I am, uh, how did that uh, that resonate with you? Um, I, I think it was appropriate. I think he handled it very well. He effectively it came out. It felt um, not every dev has this capability, but it felt very unscripted. So like if you don't have it, don't do it. But it felt very unscripted and felt very real, and so you could kind of see him try to his word choice very carefully but very authentically um and it really presented just like we had a crappy situation 
Mm -hmm. Um, we could ship a product that was not the caliber we expected and here's why, Mm -hmm. um, pretty transparent, or we could delay a product and we understand what that costs as far as like community trust. Yeah. And, you know, maybe you took time off work last week or you had a light week planned at work this week and you don't this week and you're like, thankfully as a fan of new world, I don't do that. I'm like, well, we'll see because like, and that's the one thing, the one miss that I think I made. And again, like I'm kind of trying to balance this software dev, what I read, because it's not always going to be a hundred percent accurate, but I do get a really strong read being that I work in development. I can start to understand things that are being kind of said maybe between the lines, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a guarantee. And so the other side is the content creator in me, and I don't want to necessarily sensationalize my speculation, right? Because it's like last, the Wednesday before, you know, like the patch was supposed to go live. I'm like, it's weirdly quiet. Like it's weirdly quiet. That tells me everybody's nose down. They've discovered something and they're working on it, but I didn't make a video. I didn't make a post about it because I didn't want to make it a thing. Like new world already has enough of that. Like we already have enough of that. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to keep quiet. They came out Saturday and delayed. And I was like, yeah, I wish I at least made a, a post to kind of highlight like, yeah, guys, like, like I was feeling this missing my week is tough. Scott comes out and puts out a good video and he's, he's kind of damned if he does and damned if he doesn't in that situation, because the thing that I want now that it's here and now that he's come out and talked about it, like I still want that at the beginning of it, but at the beginning of it, it only makes it worse because they haven't fixed it. They don't know exactly when it's happening. And I think the miss that, you know, in that case was the the date kept slipping on the official forms. So that was multiple points of trust loss that happened all the way up to today, as opposed to saying, coming out, guys, we, we found an issue. The next update from us is when we're convinced as to the date, but they kept updating it on the forms, which gets picked up and reported, which changes, which then says what's going on. And thankfully, Scott, like the, the solution is get the content out, Scott comes out and talks to the community about what happened and his, and it was his call. And I think it's the right call because you don't want to sit here. I think the bigger cost is putting out a patch and all of a sudden it's just like, you're not, you're not getting any of your stuff. Like nothing's working. What is happening? And that I think continues to, to have a harder time. So ideally the best way from this is they don't have another miss on a, on a season, right? Like, that's the best way I think that they can come out of this and say, listen, like we, like we learned a lot. We, we discovered these things uh, as a part of our due diligence. They didn't show up earlier. They do now. And I can tell you as a dev, I work in those situations all the time. Like I am randomly, I am right now, not at work, but like as I jumped from work to lunch for the podcast, like I am randomly getting an identity, like authentication error on the API. And it's only affecting me. And I can tell you, that's incredibly frustrating because you have to start to, you got to stop what you're doing. You got to focus in on this. And then ultimately what ends up probably going to pan out is that there was some issue that wasn't even in my body, like wasn't even anything. It was just something that I had no control over. So I keep reporting it to IT so they can they can investigate. And that's just sometimes the nature of it. So development in and of itself, like I have a lot of respect for the team and what they do and the energy that they bring. And this, I felt like it was a really kind of a bummer of a miss. But now that it's actually here, like, I think that those feelings will fade away as people get into the content and enjoy the content and kind of. 
Yeah, and so far, like, have you had any server issues today? Uh, I'm getting a couple little frame drops here and there that I don't typically get. Um, pretty smooth for a patch day. Somebody in chat said that a friend of theirs said that they lost a sword through gear sets. So I don't know if there's some fringe bugs there um, and where that ends up going and is it recoverable and all that. And like, I don't know if that's something that's happening with like the additional gear sets because like I'm only operating on two gear sets, but I haven't had any yeah. issues so far. So like I'm having a pretty smooth experience um, anecdotally. So like, I think the bigger issue here is that this is season one. This is the first time yeah. that New World has ever directly asked players um, for something beyond cosmetic for extra money. Uh, this is the first time that they've ever, and like, yes, most of the premium season pass is very, very, very optional if you sit down and honestly look at it, um, especially the premium one. The premium one feels very optional, but it is not just cosmetic. There are some mm -hmm. like extra gypsum in there. There's the ability to pay a little extra and get 20 levels of boost on it. Uh, there's some emotes in there. There, there's uh, you know a couple of different kind of resources and random drops and things like that. So like, it, it's a quality of life jump even for people that don't care about the way their character looks. And so there are going to be people who kind of buy it. Like I bought Halo Infinite's season one because mm -hmm. I, I I like Halo. I didn't expect it to be perfect because it was launch right. season, but they burned me so bad that I'll never buy another Halo Infinite season. Like it, it doesn't matter. Right. And so. The other thing to think about here is this was their first time asking for money. So this wasn't a traditional patch drop. This wasn't 1.8 with Brimstone Sands. Like they've had plenty of patch drops over the last couple of years that, you know, if they had to delay them, they had to delay them. If they didn't, they didn't. But this is also the first time they've tried players' wallets to that. And the trust is a little bit different when you start asking for people's money. So if you bought the season pass and you made what felt like even just five levels of progress on the season pass and it did not give you those five levels, Oh, yeah. Now you get to the end season, you only get to level 95. So you don't get the big title or whatever, mm. even though you bought it and you did the work. That would be really frustrating. Agreed. Now, uh, for those of you who are new uh, hanging out as a part of this, uh, Chris and I usually film Mondays and Tuesdays uh, going over uh, MMORPG news uh, and all kinds of things that are being kind of discussed. So uh, be sure to hit that follow, that button, that sub, all the all the wonderful buttons that I guess they give you. You can always double tap dislike if you're on YouTube as well. I hear that button has been working as of late. So uh, you do you. Now, the chill game theorist says sort of like what Blue Protocol did with the network test. And for those of you who don't know the context, they had to delay their network test by three months. But that's in a beta that's like in it that's not in a live performance environment where those things are more natural to happen and that's where you want that to happen once it's in production there's a whole extra level of steps that you have to go in i mean even my wife got a funny shirt for me says when i when i code i do it in production because ultimately like that's not where you want to be doing your experimentation but even chat's also following up saying that several people are reporting as a part of this update that they're missing all their equipment now i could tell you from a hands-on perspective uh we've seen that actually happen one time where they marked a specific piece of equipment uh in some kind of category and it was deleted out of people's inventories but the devs have come back like they did like you know oh that's our fault and they did go and reissue like the high quality version of that equipment to anybody who was impacted so at its core that sucks absolutely that's definitely a miss in that regards and ideally they'll find out why but i don't think that's going to be a long-term problem because they've shown that if they make a mistake there's a bug like that happening uh, the players who get impacted you uh, get compensated more than what they actually ended up losing so in a weird way it's a frustrating lottery uh that they end up getting hit by with that it's like hey congratulations 
for the next two weeks, that piece of gear is gone, but something better is going to come. And I don't think it's going to take two weeks because ultimately they just need to find out what essentially caused uh, the issue with the players missing out in the gear. Now, at its core, though, like when it comes down to multiple posts on Reddit, like it could, in fact, be like a handful of people. And then you end up getting, you know, there is this interesting glom on. There's definitely uh, like a I've talked to people who have claimed things and then never back them up. And this is for any MMO. Yeah, well, and it's like, so, okay, well, yeah, let's talk about that. And they're like, oh, uh, strangely, I'm just going to back out of the door. <laughs> yeah, know, I mean, like, I, I do believe there are people being really affected. I just know that, like, I lived through patch 8.3 in World of Warcraft when they rolled out their market board change. And they were losing people's um, mail. And so the way their market board works uh, is when an item sells, you get mailed the gold. And so you have to go pick up the gold. And that includes yeah. not just the uh, what the person paid, but, like, you know, you can imagine that if you bought an item for 10 gold and you sold it for 100, your 10 is also in that 100. Uh, and so it's not just the 90 profit, but if you are somebody who's in the flipping economy, you've got a lot of money tied up in the market. And that's really common in New World as well, where people maybe are are filling sell and buy orders. They're, they're, they're putting out, you know, slow buy orders and then they're rolling that over into long-term sell orders and that's how they make their money. So they've got a lot of capital tied up in the market. So if at any time, a portion of the market starts to act like a black hole, it starts sucking in a lot more than just their profit. Mm -hmm. uh, and their nest egg goes away as well. And so that can be very, very yeah. frustrating. Um, but all of a sudden, like there was money being lost. World of Warcraft acknowledged that. But they also said, the only thing that's an issue is the, it is not being mailed to the player. Mm -hmm. It is, we are not losing it in our logs. So they came out and confirmed that very, very rapidly and said, we can still see all of your mail. We just can't get it to you. Um, so stick with us while we try to find a way to make sure that we get it to you, because what we don't want to do is make a rapid change and lose your items. Right now we're keeping all your items, so please just be patient because we want to be accurate first and foremost. And all of a sudden, there were people who I know are, are keep a thousand items listed at a time. They were wildly affected. But there were also people that I think were only playing one or two days a week that were like, yeah, my thousand items are gone too. It's like, what thousand items? Like, don't have a thousand items uh and so there there was so the problem got blown up to be substantially larger it was already a large problem but it got blown into something much larger so um just from having yeah. lived through that i would say new world has to fix this very quickly because at first there's gonna be people, a lot of people reporting legitimate bugs but that will grow into i also lost a leg i lost a legendary sword it was probably also a rare helmet and um uh maybe like uh like a blunderbuss maybe uh and yeah i've been looking for that bliss uh blunderbuss the whole time and <laughs> i had it i finally had it i swear i'm not overly uh worried i'm sure we'll get some statement from the devs but if you guys are finding that yourself impacted like that be sure to go and report that uh, on the forums or even in game you have an in-game report bug feature uh, you can kind of submit that feedback to them and let them know. Uh, and uh, ultimately, well, you know, as long if it doesn't for some reason get, you know, sorted out, I'll be sure to talk about it in a video. We'll be sure to draw as much attention to it as possible. Uh, but then, yeah, essentially like the, the the Me Too in this case, like, yeah, this isn't the Silicon Valley Bank situation where it's like, oh, no. All right, guys, withdraw all your items. Keep them on your person all the time. So that way you don't have to worry about the storage uh, situation. Deposits were not what got lost at SVB. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm just saying that. see people talking that about it. Like, yeah. We're so shocked they refunded deposits, but like without getting oh, into no. the whole yeah. thing, the deposits were always safe because of the first thing paid back is they sell off assets. So just to like, the headlines have wildly sensationalized the deposits being at risk. Are you telling me there's a problem with media, <laughs> both in social and in legacy? Interesting, Chris. 
Wow. And the sky is blue and water is wet. <laughs> anyway, I just thought it was funny because Nebulinx pointed that out. And that was just a, a wild, wild trip. Now, on that note, um, when we're looking here at the state of uh, the season, like you're back, you've been playing the season pass. Uh, how do you feel about uh, the the interactions with the uh, the chapters and the card itself? Do you feel like you're like able to find the, the answers to your questions or do you find like yourself just like completely at a loss because uh you're not playing on the ptr so everything today is brand new to you um so far i'm fine so i find that like i have a lot of choices when you first hop in you have a lot of choices on what to do uh as i'm whittling down my choices i am finding that the activity card is not like so i pulled up the wow one to show how the wow one works for people mm -hmm. um because it is the most similar of the five MMOs that I play to what New World has rolled out today. Um, WoWs lets me literally avoid types of content I don't like, not just focus on ones I like and then get to some of the things I don't like. I can literally avoid the things I don't like. So if you don't want to PvP, you don't have to PvP at all. Yeah. Uh, if you don't want to raid, you don't have to raid at all. If you don't want to do current expansion Dragonflight content, you don't have to do it at all. You could just literally just skip whole categories of content. Um, the activity card that at least I got dealt, I don't know how different they can be. There's some icons that are in my activity card to be earned in my little bingo card. Yeah. Um, I can show on stream here that uh, I don't even, I, I didn't even have a shield. So like, they're like, you can earn a shield icon. Well, there was no shield icon. So like some of that may vary by what you're getting. Um, so like, I don't know exactly what all this rolls out to be, but my first card, all four corners are PVP related. And as somebody that doesn't do a lot of PVP in this game, that starts to feel like I can hear Narc and the Ashes community, <laughs> like just, <laughs> uh, you don't like PVP? Like, oh, PVP MMOs are the biggest MMOs in the world. Oh. We just haven't had a good one. <laughs> like that's the counter like argument it's no. like like i'm all for the pvp mmo but it's like let's just be realistic we're like pve mmo players vastly outweigh the pvpers and there's nothing wrong with that that's just a function of math there are more people standing in this room than they're in this room and the counter is is like but the room isn't as good uh we're just waiting for a really good room and then they're all gonna come and fill in it's like i i would love to believe that and i will like you know i'm a, i'm a hopeful guy but like I'm just a numbers. Like I, I look at the numbers. I'm like, cool. Like if it happens, it happens. But um, there's just no perfect room out there that's going to appeal like the people who just don't want to do PVE content. You know, in that regard. So that's where I'm at. Is like this is the first time I've been short as off because I've refreshed that activity thing and it's more, <laughs> more expensive. It's a good uh, use for Azoth. What do you think? Finally, my God, the Azoth has gotten so so like useless. Like there's mm -hmm. so few times that I want it. Like step one of getting a really good tool is like, make sure I get one that doesn't have freaking Azoth on it. Cause what the hell am I gonna do with that? And now it's like, oh, I'm gonna buy season stuff. And so I really like that. Um, so I think that's a really good thing to have a, a use for Azoth. Um, so far I like it. Like, it'll be interesting to see kind of how hard it is to get to level 100. What are they really expecting? You have 85 days to get 99 levels. Mm -hmm. So is it easy to consistently get more than one level a day? Do you feel like you're expected to play seven days a week for 
uh, three months. I think a lot of MMO players probably yeah. do check in with the game pretty regularly throughout the week, but I think it's not uncommon in the MMO space to have a couple of days in your week that are heavy hitters. Right. Um, the devs said that they tried to design this for like 40 to 50 hours of playtime to complete the, uh, the, the season. Well, that's more than enough to get all the drops. Yeah, that, that should be reasonable. My change that I, I, I'm going to continue to advocate for is what you've said with the, I think the right amount of FOMO is like, l let sell the season pass during the season. And then once season two rolls around, let us keep the season one pass if you haven't finished it, but you can only buy season one during season one. And then down yeah, the road, if they won the bundle it or something, because then you can- you that Flaming Legend title at level 99, you were level 95. Yeah. Well, right. And then you don't feel like, oh gosh, like I need to go play, but uh, I, I got to go to work or, like life events happen you know like like oh i need to go out of town all of a sudden unexpectedly i guess i'm not gonna get that thing i paid for and i think if they could look at that transition as they go into season two etc that i think would sell a lot more season one because then you during the next 85 days can decide if you want to drop 20 bucks on the rewards and as long as you do it within that that time frame it's yours and you can and you can level it at your own pace so you imagine somebody who's like, yeah, I'm thinking about coming back this fall. They might just log in, get the pass, log out, log in for season two, get the pass, log out. Hey, now it's the fall. And they got three seasons passes worth the things that they can grind on and have fun with when they're in their like, you know, gaming time zone. I think that would be uh, truly a big, awesome change that we could see here. Now, uh, Veltus, and sorry if I'm butchering the name, uh, regarding the activity card, he says it looks like a real big chore list to him. And that is what those things are in and of itself. But Chris, like you were saying, it's actually pushing you into things in this game that you really have never touched before. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's a good thing, um, as long as those things are not mandatory. So ideally what you have is in, in an MMO, there's let's say 10 ways to play, hypothetically. And you like playing three of them. And you've spent all your time since the game playing out focusing on those three. And there might have been some little amount of story or something you had to do to unlock something, but you just got it out of the way. Whatever part you didn't like, you just got that out of the way. And you're focused on your three little buckets. And every time a patch comes out, there's updates to hopefully all 10 buckets. And so your three buckets get hit along with everybody else's three buckets. Well, ideally what this sort of thing does is say, hey, your three buckets are going to give you a decent amount of season stuff, but you could get a lot more reward if you were willing to kind of dabble in a couple of the other buckets. Just pick any other two. And so that way you're looking at the other seven and you're like, well, I know I don't like three of them, but the other four, I really just hadn't given a fair shot. And it can be an invitation kind of just generously tossed out to say, why don't you just do a little bit of this and see if you actually like it a lot more than you thought you did. Um, like, when you're, like when your mother made you take a bite of a vegetable for the first time and you might actually realize you liked it. Uh, where it will struggle is if to complete the season pass, it's like, oh, well, you must complete seven buckets. And you're like, I only like three. So you actually spend more time doing things you don't like than things you do. Uh, that's that's the counterweight. And so, you know, every game that has a season pass type model has to try to balance that invitation into the rest of their content. You want people to be aware of, I mean, you built the all 10 buckets. So you want people to try them all. You don't want people to feel forced because uh, that's where it, it just starts to feel like a job. Mm -hmm. And so uh, uh, I'm clicking on the wrong one. Uh, Valtus falls up and says, but you can progress the season pass without doing the activity card stuff. 
in this case, a question. Uh, if so, then I'm more okay with it, but the activity card is the only way to get progress, then I dislike it uh, in its implementation. And the good news is, the activity card is not the only way you get progress. You're actually getting passive experience through all the activities that you're doing. And this even goes down to player XP. That was a big part of the feedback that I had. I was like, I'm fishing and I'm choosing to fish and therefore I'm, I'm losing out on seasonal pass progress. That feels like you took fishing off the list. And they replied, hey, it's on the activity card. I was like, not every activity card. I can't lock it on the activity card. So no, it's not on the activity card. It's randomly there as a bonus, which is fine. Just give me some passive experience. And so what they've done is they say every 10,000 player experience that you get, you get 25 season. It's not the fastest way. And I'm like, I'm not advocating for that to be the fastest way. I literally just want everything I'm doing to have some value for rewards. And this hopefully will lead into the, like, you know, the aptitude system for the player experience level and more, but that means quests, factions, uh, crafting, gathering, everything you're doing is actually progressing you on that pass. And guess what? And here's the fun thing is that while you're doing all those activities, you're also now getting those things to fill up on those cards anyway, by choosing to do what you want to do. And so you're going to get those regular bonuses overall, because like we had a, like the devs are great. In my opinion, they've, we've had a lot of like, you know, great conversations because I was talking with them. I was like, I'm like, Oh, like, are, like, cause at first they were like, are you just trying to like speed through the pass? And I was like, actually, like, no, I just, I like to play the game the way it feels very organic to me. Sometimes it's like, oh, I'm going to focus in on these, these, these objectives. Sometimes I'm like, I'm just going to run in this direction and I'm going to see what happens. And that in and of itself gives me that, that level of flexibility because if I just want, like, if I had a hard day at work, and this was like the examples, like if I have a hard day at work and the thing I just want to do is chill on the Steam Deck and fish, that's great. And it's cool if I can get some of those bonuses, I'll be checking on those. But really, I just want to chill and fish. I don't want to feel like I'm not, you know, I, I'm losing time on that. And what it is is like, yeah, I'm fishing and I'm gaining just a little bit of that experience, just a little bit, nothing to write home at. But again, it just feels better. I'm glad they did something like that. It's also and, a game and, that's really good at tracking that. Like just because oh, yeah. you hit max level, max character level, you're still getting experience because that's how they track standing, kind of. Uh, and like when you hit... 200 on a crafting skill or whatever there's like an entire post progression system yeah they have uh, it for crafting cool. and for gathering and refining what they need it now because we were actually talking about this in your live stream they need it for weapons and they need it for player experience because the one thing the 10k to 25 seasonal doesn't show it doesn't show any progress bar anywhere right. and they weren't going to get that in for season one but i i am expecting and looking for Right, you know, just like fill it up, just give that feedback to the player. So you're like, hey, it's, it is honestly, if anybody's ever played Gears of War, I am a huge Gears head. Like I love the Gears of War series. It is my guilty pleasure. And one beautiful thing about how that game's designed is you're working on a thousand different bars all like by playing. And some of the goals are just absurd, but there's all these milestones that like fill in that gap. And you're always like 10 minutes away from completing something. Like it's, it's unreal how well they've got that you know, that kind of like <laughs> that, that carrot in front of the stick. You're like, oh, I, if I do one more match, I'm going to knock out three more of these objectives. Oh, I just did that match. Oh, if I did one more match, like I'm going to actually fill in these objectives. And by all of a sudden you're like, it's it's Vampire Survivors, but it's a shoot. It's a, it's a version shooter. Uh, Chris, did I tell you, I, I sat down and finally played Vampire Survivors? Oh, well. Lost six hours congrats of my on, life. That's <laughs> you know, getting to work this morning. Oh, man. That uh, was insane. I was like, I sat down. I was like, now. oh, gosh. 
I'm so excited. <laughs> I, li I, li I look up and it was like almost two in the morning. I was like, oh man, this is going to suck tomorrow. <laughs> Thanks, Fido. <laughs> but it's already going to suck tomorrow, so you might as well play one more. Might as one more. Just one more like, match. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm Oh, and then I'm close to being able to afford this permanent upgrade. Let's freaking go, baby. Oh uh, yeah, 19, 19. I love clapping those freaking weapons. And then, um, any any other thoughts on the season? Because I do. I want I want to take a break to thank everybody for their support over on Twitch and on YouTube uh, before we get into our second half of the show. Uh, no, I I think we'll just have to see how it plays out. They've got this journey version. They've got this activity card version. Um, so we'll just have to see what it feels like. I think feedback will be necessary and then mm -hmm. there'll be a second season sometime between 85 and 95 days from now. Yeah, and the nice thing is we also know some of the big features that season two is gonna have. We're gonna see the raid, we're gonna see transmog, and that's gonna be an interesting system once implemented because I think that's gonna drive a lot of values to the Twitch drops that are live right now here on work to game but that's also gonna be any of the, any of the glamoring stuff like having that as a collection to be able to sit down and, and build that out as a part of it and in-game stuff i think it's going to be that extra checklist that a lot of people are looking for because uh beyond the transmog the other one like transmog raid and mounts seem to be kind of the big three occasionally you get someone asking about swimming i'm not so worried i've never been like oh man this game absolutely needs swimming um but beyond that not i don't want to discount somebody with that feedback but this summer and this fall, like in, in and of itself, is like New World's gonna be adding in like so many cool systems. And the thing I'm looking forward most about the raid, because I love open world stuff. I love running around the open world with everybody. And we've done multiple groups, like, but it's just like, hey, you're t captain of team, you know, team A, you're captain of team B, you're captain of team C. The summer not only adds the raid, it also adds the interface so that we as a, could make our own war band that's running around the open world. So it makes it a little bit easier to hopefully manage these parties and take on bigger world bosses, which are also coming and on the way, which is really exciting to see. So I, I think it's actually like, when I've been looking at New World for 2023, I was like, this is a really big year because then it leads into the expansion. Then you get to see, uh, you know, hopefully some big things from, from the team this year, which will be exciting. But nevertheless, it, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of other big games coming out on the horizon as well. Now let's take a moment to thank everybody over here on Twitch. Uh, we've seen a lot of Prime subs. I've seen Pharma Girl gifting out a lot of subs as well. It looks like Sheriff Sniffers and Chili Demon also gifting out some subs. So welcome in. Hopefully you guys enjoy the ad-free viewing experience. If you're not aware, YouTube's also now starting to run ads midstream. And uh, I knew that was gonna come at some point. So I just wanna thank you guys. Sorry if you end up getting hit by an ad. You can always just let us know if you do so we can uh, hang out with you guys and and wait to answer any kind of questions you have. Chris and I film Monday and Tuesdays uh, with these live shows going over y'all's questions, topics, and more. And uh, over on the YouTube side, I want to shout out, we have some insane members. Uh, Genk, uh, I'm butchering it, Gek Z uh, at 28 months, WG Productions 37 months, Randy at 36 months, Ellipsy three months, Paul at four, uh, Gamer Freak at six, uh, Chef B at nine, Delivery Moogle at 18. Like it's uh, Curb Cub, 50 months over on the YouTube side for membership, guys. So thank you guys, Devin and Salty, uh, you know, so much for your support of our content of this podcast. And the thing I'm looking forward to most is YouTube's put a plan together to help make podcasting better on their platform which as 
to people who put out podcasts on this channel. I think that's going to be massively huge uh, for us. Uh, and hopefully you guys have been enjoying the content. Chris, you got anything to say before we uh, uh, transition into our community feedback uh, comment no. section? All no. right. I'm ready. He is ready. All right. Let me fire up the screen here. Uh, again, guys, uh, be sure to comment on uh, the videos, the podcasts. That's where we go and source these uh, as a way of just continuing to make this uh, you know, a conversation piece. Uh, GTX hanging out over on the YouTube, uh, chatting out as well. Uh, cat girls are back uh, in this case. Now, Z Sheets writes on Final Fantasy XIV, I like when we had the cross job abilities and we were encouraged to level multiple things. I liked when the Marauder Warrior had a longer range, but a directional AOE. I liked it when the jobs didn't have roll actions. Having everything with a roll feels like you can trade it for anything else and see little to no difference is making me not want to play this game anymore. Chris, what do you think? I mean, that's the downside, right? When we complain that one class isn't welcome in an ultimate piece of content or in a particularly hard tuned Savage or something like that, um, there is this very like logical solution to just give them whatever makes the other class better or to take whatever's making the other class better and nerf it so that they all come back in line with each other. But if you do that enough times, the classes are identical. Uh, and so, you know, we're playing New World this week and they have different weapons as their classes. And if the musket and the bow, uh, if one of those is considered better, if you just gave them identical skill trees and identical, you know, range fall off and identical damage profiles, then it would purely be a cosmetic thing. You would lose something. But you could be really frustrated that it's like, well, I really like the way the bow feels and the bow just, you know, maybe isn't doing as well in a particular piece of content as the musket is at this time. Uh, and so that complaint is very valid, but sometimes the solution can make things worse. Mm -hmm. Now, for me, I actually feel what they what they feel. I think the problem with how the system was set up in ARR is they really didn't invest in it and they didn't work to improve it. And so the solution that they chose was the only natural solution was to just get rid of it and bring in the cross rolls because there wasn't really choice. Like basically how the existing system was in ARR, which I liked going and leveling the other, uh, other you know classes into the jobs because for me, that was very Final Fantasy 11. That's actually how Final Fantasy 14 1.0 was structured where you would go on these things, you would do these things and it would open up. It would like, you've done this and now it opens up to the job, which is gonna give you way more party focus. And the classes were way more single player. Like there was a time in Final Fantasy that you couldn't run around the open world as a black mage. You'd get melted. But if you were in a party, you would be so destructive. It was a glass cannon. And then into 2.0, they had to restructure uh, the whole game and, and we got what we got. But my my frustration with it was the system they had in place for the cross class while i remember it and miss it it was a it was a system of you only make the wrong choice like the only choice it was giving you was a choice to make a mistake and one of the reasons was is you could take weapon skills off of other classes but because they didn't combo off of anything they were literally useless there was no debuff there was no benefit at all for taking these and so it really really came into here's the five skills that you need and it became a chore especially for newer players coming into the game so i can understand why they went with the, the what they went with but i really wish that we would have seen them kind of invest because they only also gave you the ability to choose from 
two classes like that like you weren't able to kind of pick from the gambit and try to build out something unique and interesting and experimental and so we've seen that kind of process happening uh ever since that day and loyal mango says happy to see us and then he goes on to say he's hoping to see across jobs like in final fantasy 11 uh when they start hitting level 100 now yoshi p's confirmed that the level cap is going to 100 we don't know what's going to happen after that but chris do you have any kind of speculation as to uh you know any kind of hopes or any kind of thoughts like is level 100 the right time to change up that kind of progression system going forward it's the downside of vertical progression um new world announced that this year in season three they're going to be adding an expansion that will increase the level cap they have not increased their character level cap just their item level cap um, but any element of vertical progression the problem is that it is by its very nature power creep and power creep that means that every set of levels either has to just be so magnificent that everything before it is now trash or it has to be so minor that it's like well why am i even doing all this work i'm only 10 percent stronger than i was before and so like those are your choices so we end up with these times of slow grind and we end up with these times of massive grind uh as far as like how much power we're gaining per hour of effort or whatever mm -hmm. um seeing a massive combat system change would be a, a huge shift for an existing mmo yeah uh, i cannot imagine them doing it yoshi p's statement was we will be going to 100 and we think that just going to 110 would feel pretty lackluster so there is a sign that they are looking into something pretty substantial but like as much as wow and 14 and guild wars may not look like the game they did 10 years ago for the players who were here 10 years ago they are still within like a single margin of error of what they were compared to jumping to an all-new system compared to jumping to something that is that drastic, hoping for something like true cross-class, uh, not just the cross-class skills we had before, but something where you have like a true subclass or something like that. Um, and so that's just something that, like the only way to avoid that as an MMO is don't turn 10 years old. Like that's the solution. The solution is don't turn 10, uh, because as soon as you age, that's where that's gonna show up. See, for me, I would say, like, I think I would actually probably physically cry if they came out and said, we're going to have the sub-job system brought in to replace the cross-roll system. And even if they wanted to restrict down the sub-job options to, like, a handful so you're not having to balance against, like, oh, I'm going to be a white mage warrior. You know, while I think that would be interesting and what, what would that look like in the content, you're looking at a massive look at all the content that's already been made and I'm going to say, like, I just don't see that happening. But if they did, I would cry. Like, that would be something so awesome to see as somebody who's an 11 veteran, as somebody who likes how New World has so much uh, choice. And the counter argument that I always get is, like, there's a meta, there's no always choice. It's like, yeah, there's always choice. Like, you can choose to to worry about that or you can choose to have fun and, and not, not stress. You know, it's like, at the core of it, like, yeah like if you want to sit here and there is a percentage of the player base that's the, the vocal minority that i think absolutely has that like has to know the meta and then there's everybody else who's willing to kind of challenge that meta but that's my final fantasy 11 experience like we would challenge the meta all the time the meta was set and we would change the meta by changing expectations by trying to think how synergies between the jobs themselves could work in different ways and and how everybody else is bringing but that's also a thing of what what matchmaking gets you matchmaking means that there's no guarantee who gets put in your group and if you're going to have that convenience based feature there's some trade-offs and so you're going to trade off that 
that build expectation because imagine getting matched in with a blue mage who only had hydrogen and you're like okay water like we're only we're here and it's been you know it's been 50 minutes and we're not even done to the first boss this guy cannot do it you know but he got you got the unfortunate luck of the draw so they prevent those systems because they realize how frustrating and toxic they would be but yeah if they brought in a sub job system to 14 it would it would literally change my mind it would it would be so exciting to see just what they could do and so the restriction on it would be in my mind just to keep it mathematically simple you think rock paper scissors like every job like only is able to to have like two to three options like you restrict down the options so that each choice that you have is only going to augment something and from a skills perspective they do that to rework the whole skill system or if they were going to keep it simple have it bring in traits so if you would like hey i'm going to sub you know red mage that means it's going to you know i'm going to randomly get that insta cast or something like that so it's not anything that's just so rotationally breaking it just ends up just kind of being a perk here and there but um and that's just a, a example off the top of my head i'm sure somebody would do the math and be like that's already broken it's like who knows <laughs> like who knows um you know never link saying so self-made limited jobs i would be perfectly fine if they put that into a limited job approach right what do you think about that chris like taking the sub jobs and not making it a part of the game but making it a part of the limited job system which right now only represents one job the blue mage i think that is the solution to make it more complex to not break dungeons raids you know all these things that are specifically tuned where we're just going to do the math um to make it to where you're doing open world stuff or you're doing weird unsynced challenges or something like that the the answer is straight up to go create a combat system that can be flexible when flexibility doesn't matter so that when somebody does the math and it breaks the hell out of it mm -hmm. it doesn't matter like nothing's wrong with that um so if you created a system that gives you some ultimate ability to basically one shot an open world mob who cares mm -hmm. like who cares uh but the moment you bring that into raid that that sucks um so like that's what i would personally like to see them do if they are going to add something crazy as a subclass system i think starting to make more parts of the world function the way blue mage does things if you want to go bicolor gemstone grind and that allows you to like aoe multi-pull as a black mage that's really fun um so I, I would put it in something like that and not break the way that party comp comes together because the moment there's party comp people will just do the math okay uh turns out it's 10 percent of the time that the red mage thing gives you an instant cast and i can straight up tell you based on where that falls rotationally what that does to the dps of a black mage like and they would just do the math and then the devs would do the math because they would want to tune the next ultimate to be appropriate and so then anything below that won't clear the damage check. Mm -hmm. And then that's where I think when you look at the team that Yoshi P has talked about and been, you know, he's been very open about it. He wishing having, you know, the uh, the budget of uh, WoW, the like the team size of WoW. And in order to do these kind of systems, one of the biggest things that they would have to change is they'd have to dramatically increase team size. Because like while math is math, the part of the balance ends up being is that you as a, you know, the developer are looking at these uh, these avenues and these areas being brought in and letting people and then having to make adjustments. If you don't make adjustments, if you don't make changes, those things get set for such a long time that when you do make those changes, it ends up being like you ripping the bandaid off. Like you end up like, oh, you know, shocking the system 
and it's uh, usually not really fun <laughs> and well received but uh we saw uh, yoshi p try to do that with the pvp changes last year and ended up introducing way more problems than anything else so like in and of itself the heart wants what it wants but like i just i just don't see it happening unless yoshi p gets on stage and is like we've triple size of the team we're going to be doing all these interesting things and you know maybe you know x y and z only applies in you know piece of content i think overall that would be pretty cool um and then chat saying maybe the 11 devs uh, they've been reduced dramatically after being reduced dramatically before so the only yeah, thing i can see up other teams the argument there is maybe they're coming yeah. over to 14. the um i think when it comes down to it it's my my like I've seen speculation and theory casting, especially when it comes to the new world in Final Fantasy 14. And if they call that new world Vanadil, I think that would be something really cool. But they'd have to have a systems in place that kind of was was appealing to try and attract uh, the Final Fantasy 11 base. And honestly, it'd be really interesting to see them try and put that kind of stuff in 14, which would give them so much more flexibility. Because right now, as it sits, the way that it's developed, they have to like rebuild that entire game so I, I would think that you would go try and utilize the the teams that you have you know as best as you can uh in this case now any other thoughts on this one before we move to our next comment next comment all right i hit an arrow key and nothing happened let's hit f11 and then try again all right B Tactics TV says, I'm catching this on the playback. Gonna leave another comment on the entertainment, but I am enjoying the content here. Thank you, B Tactics, uh, for that support on these videos, guys. Don't forget to drop a comment if you're watching this, uh, watching this. if you're watching this in the archive as a VOD. Uh, we're gonna go, we always try to go back and, and grab the comments so we can feature them here. So thank you very much, B Tactics. And I don't know why, like the arrow keys were working but not anymore. So we'll just keep going in this case. Now, Keith Adam writes, happy about getting a blue update. I don't care really about the traditional rating anymore. I'm about to start doing the blue stuff on the marble. That's more interesting at this point. So with the new spells and the fights that they're going to be pretty fun. Hopefully the rewards for Criterion this time are rewarding, else it's DOA like the last one. And it's fun, just not worth the time to repeat. Well, either way, I'm probably going to play 10.1 more anyway. I'm more interested in the M plus two season and the regular rating or the anything else Square is really offering for spending my time doing this patch or half patch. I might check out the Island Sanctuary update, but eh, I'm more interested in, in gearing in WoW's upcoming patch. They've solved the issue that was grinding my gears the worst, and they upgrading the items gear are earnable by completing the content. It's about time. Probably where I spend a good amount of time outside of the patch days sales in 14. Now, I personally wasted a lot of guilt on my fellow FC members. How easy it is for guilt to be made. So, Chris, there's a couple of thoughts, obviously, in here. He's talking about Blue uh, Blue Mage and at replacing the like the normal rating cycle for him we've seen a lot of players main blue uh you know in final fantasy 14 and it's good to see that blue's finally going to be able to go up to the next level tier what do you think about that i mean it's an mmo is made up of a wide variety of players that consume it in a wide variety of ways at a wide variety of hours and skill levels 
but the ones that are the most exciting or the most engaging are the ones that get shared the most on Reddit's, Discords, Twitch, YouTube, wherever, Twitter, like those are the ones that become the dominant ones in like what we talk about. And so when you see side content become somebody's kind of main game, um, it can feel very isolating. Like, like, are there really blue mage mains? Are there really crafting mains? Are there really um, just gill makers? Are there people who only play an MMO for the story? Are there whatever it is, depending on the game, like that feels and they get memed on. And so anytime they come out in public and say, I play WoW because I love the story in World of Warcraft, there's 65,000 Kappas in chat, which just basically tells that person like, screw off, go play somewhere else. You're not welcome here. You're welcome to play however you want. And like, I think Blue Mage is a super fun way to take the balanced shared world combat system of what we have and say, what if there was a class that didn't have to follow those rules? Uh, I wish they'd had a second limited job so we could yes. see like, what would be another way of breaking the rules? Because right now, mm, yeah. Blue Mage is the only way of breaking the rules. And so if you don't like that classes break the rules or you don't like Blue Mage, that's one in the same. And I would love it to be like, well, I think there'd be other fun ways to break the rules and maybe Blue Mage is your favorite or maybe Beastmaster is your favorite or something like that. Um, and so I have seen Blue Mage mains and I like to progress everything on Blue Mage is a huge undertaking. Uh, it's a ton of time. It probably takes some level of community to get in there and get some of those clears. Some of them are very hard. Uh, I've watched a lot of those streams. They're very fun. It just, like, I would love to see that sort of content continue to get invested in. Uh, it feels weird that we went so long without hearing anything about it. We thought it was coming, this expansion, but we'd never heard anything. And I would love to see them able to update it maybe more than once per expansion. Yeah, more than once per expansion and expand on it with additional jobs. I think Puppet Master and Beastmaster being added in would really help to start to i think get people excited just like we said earlier like if there was a limited version of everything that you could you know you could play and that just changes up like hey okay awesome. yeah matchmaking we get it it's not going to be for you because you might not have unlocked x y and z but you can you can sit down and have a good time with it now as to their second part of uh, kind of their comment here talking about wow 10.1 world of warcraft has come out with the with their own roadmap uh, they, I, in my mind, from everything we've seen in the past to where they are now, they seem that one of the key aspects, and I kind of echo this when they talked about they got feedback and it took a long time to kind of work out of the, the hole that they dug all the way into Shadowlands. But because of that feedback back from, I think it was Legion, that they were able to start finally making the changes and those are hitting with Dragonflight. And that's gearing and that's so much more. And so I've heard a lot of positive things about the latest expansion. I know you said you've been enjoying it. Um, what is it about uh, 10.1 um, with uh, with WoW in Dragonflight's season? And how does that fit in with something like Final Fantasy 14? So WoW's patch cadence has always been a little bit like expansion by expansion. How long is a patch? What are the sub patches? What all does a patch include? Mm -hmm. um, it's really varied. So when you have a good one, there is a question of like, will the next one be good too? Uh, but Dragonflight actually changed a lot of that by releasing a roadmap and showing like what their intentions for a patch are. They gave us a rough tentative uh, timeline similar to New World as far as like, here's kind of when we think-ish those are. Um, not as specific as kind of what Final Fantasy does, but the trend right now in MMOs is to be more specific than you've been previously. So mm -hmm. for Final Fantasy, who is already within a couple weeks of being predictable, 
Uh, they had to move to full predictability to kind of meet that criteria. But mm -hmm. for games like WoW that have ranged anywhere from 100 days to a patch cycle to 300 days to a patch cycle, they just need to kind of drop it down to something that's that's close to the same. Uh, and, and they seem to be doing that. They released a half patch that had what like Final Fantasy would traditionally put in an odd numbered patch with basically a catch up gear and all that, which was tied to a new zone, all these new rares, all this new stuff to grind. So that there was stuff for people that didn't necessarily need the catch up gear. Um, there's all this like just constant stream of, of content. So if there's ever part of it you don't enjoy, you feel like, okay, well, I'll just play a little bit less each week until the next wave gets here. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's a really healthy thing for an MMO, regardless of the MMO. Season one started for New World today, uh, and like season two, they they said in their Q and A, their recent Q and A, that they don't want those to ever be more than 95 days apart. And so that always tells you that if you get to the point where you know, like in the free version, there's like a dog that you can get for your house at level 50 of 100, you might be done. You know, if they expect it to take 40 hours, you might be done. Uh, at level 50 and then you might just hop on with your friends to do an expedition or two every week uh, and you're just hanging out until season two gets here and that's kind of where wow is right now so it's really nice for wow to be kind of in that position where at least their own community members consider them healthy there are a lot of people that don't like wow and that's fine but like that wouldn't matter if the game was healthy or not uh, so the group you're trying to actually make the game good for are the people that do have it installed and are currently subscribed and are playing all right uh, Luma writes, uh, blue players are definitely going to be really happy. Uh, it's getting the level cap increased to 80 and the blue exclusive armor set with new spells as well in 6.45. Now, when it comes to the spells and the builds, like when it comes down to this aspect, like this is them, this is the first time we're seeing them in like be able to plan out more updates for the blue mage because i think it was when it went to 70 that was their original content plan and offering right like if i if my math is correct on that one and so this is the first time from a from just the next level from taking that feedback and applying it what do you think is what what, what do you want to see as a part of these skills and these abilities as well as like blue mage as it moves forward into the future so i didn't finish unlocking all of the first skills um, I got like half of them or something, two thirds of them, something. I, I didn't get quite all of them. I got a couple of rare ones. I got a lot of the easy ones. Uh, and I didn't finish all the challenges. I messed around with the Master Carnival a little bit, but I didn't I didn't do anything too crazy. Uh, what I would say is like, from just what I experienced, I would love for them to pair it with reasons to go out and engage in stuff like the bicolor gemstones, because this will be the first time they're high enough to earn those. Mm -hmm. uh, so I would love to see it kind of learn to supplement the other jobs so that people may be treated as like, wow, I can't believe Blue Mage has a like bicolor gemstone mount. And that's not really what it has. It's that there's a bicolor gemstone mount and you didn't want bicolors and now you do. So I would hope they tie it into existing forms of content, if not go way further and tie it to things like a Blue Mage PvP. Uh, but I would also love to see them start doing things that interact with other Blue Mages really well. I think right now it's really fun to be the only Blue Mage in a group, but I would love to see them start to do things that like when you do alliance raids with blue mages, um, one of the blue mages will freeze everything and the other will electrify everything, like will kill everything that is frozen. And that works really well together. I liked that integration. Uh, and it was something that made being multiple blue mages in a party really, really fun. Yeah. And for me, I think essentially when it comes down to the blue mage, I just like, man, a part of me just still wishes that it was 
just a couple of patches at most behind level caps. So the fact that we're still going to have to wait till sometime in 7.0 for just to go to 90, um, I think is going to be something that is uh, something that I'm always going to want. But I, you know, who knows? We'll we'll see <laughs> as things change. But thank you, uh, Luma, for that comment as well. Now, as we wind down uh, on our live show, uh, Ikeira, and I hopefully I'm not butchering the name here, uh, writes, as a returning player to New World, welcome back, uh, what's a good server to pop into on NA East? I'm looking for an overall active community in PvE and PvP. Purple Gang Bias helps too. <laughs> Chris, why don't you take the, the first crack at this uh, question? Uh, are we on East? We are. And Orofina's great. Um, so, Brian, <laughs> and, I, I, and I, we're I, Syndicate. Like, we're Purple Boys. <laughs> and we're, purple. we're Purple. So, like, MMO is having multiple servers. Like, I just want to ask you, Brian's the one that plays more New World here. Yeah. Um, I just want to ask you, like, so I think they're they're adding some cross world PvP in season two, if I remember correctly. Yeah. OPR um, for the uh, that's the Outpost Rush, which is the level sixty PvP. It is the twenty v twenty. You know. Uh, you know, like battlegrounds uh, to kind of try to relate it to World of Warcraft in some way. And uh, that will actually get cross server OPR. And then the expeditions are going to get cross server. The arena is getting cross server. Uh, they've got that tentative for the uh, season four. So you, unfortunately, we still have to wait through the expansion. Those two things, the uh, the expeditions and more like that's going to be, I think, a real big game changer for New World, because the question about what server do I need to be on? A part of the nature of the game is you see my, um, migrations off of different servers. And so what is true today could be, you know, false in, in six months. And so the thing we have committed to as, you know, both content creators, but players of New World is we're not changing servers. The only way we're not playing on Orofina is if they merge Orofina in with another server and the name in and of itself changes. Uh, being that we advertise uh, where we're playing, we don't want to sit here and do a rug pull and have you transfer over to come game with us. Uh, and that's going to be where it is. Now, if you're looking for a more active, I would actually recommend getting on the New World official Discord from Amazon because that way you could kind of ask, like, especially when it comes to the PvP. Chris and I did our full first duels today. It was absolutely thrilling. Like, that was a lot of fun. And we should definitely do more of that. And I actually really enjoy PvP content. So I've done OPRs. I've done arenas, but I'm not like, I don't have the time to be fully pot committed to, to PVP. So we do it when we, when we do our community game days, but if you're looking for a more active community and it's not on Orofina, I would definitely check out uh, the either Reddit or essentially the official discord to kind of get a gauge of what people are uh, doing. So welcome back a first and foremost and B, you know, if you already have friends that are playing the game, that's going to be your best bet. If you're looking for a community that we consider ourselves that hyper casual, we're really well informed. We really like games, uh, but we're not going to sit here and make you have to log in and, and do things on any kind of schedule because that's just not what works for us. Chris plays during the day because he's the full-time content creator on the stream. And I play, uh, you know, on the weekends on occasion. And usually I make those announcements for that. So uh, that's the best advice that I can, I can give you. But we're excited that you're back, and we really hope that you have a good time with the game. Well, always play where your friends are. That's the general MMO advice. If you have anybody you can share a game with, that's the person to share the game with. Um, that is always the best bet. So, mm -hmm. we got uh, 
We got one more one more question, uh, but before we get to that, uh, NT uh, Gardner, and sorry, gosh, man, my reading, I should I should start a YouTube channel where I have to try to read words <laughs> very poorly um, as a dyslexic person. Uh, puts in a five dollar super chat, says, "Love you guys. Have a blessed day." Thank you, NT, for that epic support over on the YouTube. And again, thanks to Farmer Girl and so many people. Kicking off, we're all close to a hype train apparently over on Twitch now because of your guys' support. If you guys don't know, you have free Bezos bucks. That's Amazon Prime, uh, Prime Gaming. Gets you free loot in your games. And you have to manually gift it. And you don't have to use it here at Work the Game on Twitch, but drop it on somebody. Those That's Bezos money that if you don't use it, he keeps it. If you use it, you're giving a gift to somebody who actually, I would assume, needs it, especially uh, in the content creation space. So enjoy free ads, uh, you know, ad-free viewing if you have that perk. Uh, whether you use it here or somebody else, be sure to use it. We're bad at reminding people, and every time we do, that's when all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, I probably should remind you about Amazon Prime Gaming if you guys have Amazon Prime. Now, before we wrap up today's show and Chris returns back to uh, New World and I return back to Lurking in Chat, uh, loyal mango with an interesting question here writes my last question for you both is yes it's a long shot eorzea and vanadil coming together maybe or is this in a pipe dream what do you think chris um i i don't think that they come together in the way that like 11 interacts i don't think we have a pso2 genesis i think if anything you're looking at a guild wars 2 uh guild wars 2 guild wars 1 took place in a place called kantha uh, Guild Wars 2 was always said to take place in the same universe and in End of Dragons, kind of their Endwalker uh, type experience, they actually went back to Kantha, uh, which is the Guild Wars 1 land. But the way they handled that time-wise is there had been, uh, Kantha has been locked away for a substantial number of years. And so they can justify Kantha being recognizable, but it is a different Kantha because so much time has passed. So I think if it is indeed Vanadil located right there on the same planet in Final Fantasy XIV, uh, we have already seen the planet rotate uh, in some odd little cutscenes and fights, but more importantly from the moon now, uh, we can see them rotate. And so we know how big the New World is. We know where the New World is. We have actually have documentation of, game, of people who have come from the New World. So it is navigable. Um, so, like, we have evidence that we would go there at some point. We could, if they want us to. It could be Vanadil. But if it is, like, just expect that it's not necessarily, like, a sign that it'll pull exactly from Eleven. It's not a sign right. that integration with Eleven. Um, those things could be true, but also separate. Yeah, and so, and Veritas, uh, puts this out, is that if it comes together, it's going to be an alternate version of Vanadil as well. And so... What would be really cool is that I honestly think if they did add Vanadil in any capacity, that would have to be, I would have, that would be a must play for me. That would be a must return moment uh, and to come back and step in and see how they've rendered it, even just from a visual perspective in the world of Final Fantasy 14, in the engine of Final Fantasy 14. The thing though is, is that as much as I have really good memories of Final Fantasy 11 and as much as like Horizon 11 is out there doing, I think good work putting out a like a version of the game makes it easy to get in uh it's still a hard game in that regard but as much as we look at 11 fondly we have to make we have to be willing to compromise on various different aspects now the big question the big thing that i would say is that to what purpose would they put vanadil in that would be exciting and at the same time 
uh, you know, not necessarily feeling like a slap in the face, you know, to like the 11 players, right? One of the things I felt about Eureka was I want more Eureka. I don't want it segmented over into this one space. So they were going to bring in something like Vanadil, which is a massive landmass, which has a lot of nostalgia history, which in my mind would have Windurst and Bestock and Sanadoria and Juno. Like whether they want to tell a story of before or a story, you know, sometime after or its own story within the world of 14 that utilizes the these this backdrop, this 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 world, like would this be a good opportunity for them to kind of like rethink the open world and the systems that interact? And my dream would be yes, because how like uh Eureka works, how Boja and them work, that's what I want in the open world. And the only way to do that is with the technological underpinning behind the scenes. You want to, the reason why those systems work is they put them on the instant server so they can guarantee that whenever you're going to do it, it's gonna pull from a big population of people and force them into the zone. And 14 would have to do that for its open world to really be able to start to bring interesting things that actually could be done in the open world. And, and Vanadil would be a great opportunity to sit here and say, hey, here's this, here's all these different zones. It's got, we've, we've taken all the fun things that you guys liked in Eureka and the Boja and Zadnor, and we're just putting those in the game itself. And you can go about and do that and play in this space. That would be so exciting. I, I would scream, I would probably cry because I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a easy and quick to cry. But that's what I want. It's not just the, the don't just name it Vanadil. Don't just name it these iconic places. Look at what people really enjoy. And it, yes, you're not going to get that slow combat. You're not going to get that you died and, and we're going to punish you for it. But they could bring in the metal system so that when you die, there is a cost outside of gear repair. But it's not a part of an instant server. I think the instant server, not being able to chat with your friends, not being able to invite people into your group, having to back in, back out. What I want to see is a technological underpinning behind the scenes that puts people into the open world and then balances the open world accordingly. We know that they can put several hundred people in the open world. I say do that and balance it behind the scenes. Chris, you got any follow-up thoughts before we wrap up? Um, no, I, I I think it's a big ask what you're talking about. I think Agalfan oh, is a huge place that became a dungeon. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And not a hard dungeon. So like, I, I think it's more likely that it just gets a nod um, if anything, but yeah, I mean, it would be awesome with that stuff. Mr. Happy asked in an interview if we could get critical engagements tied to fates in the open world, and mm -hmm. if we had a whole technical explanation why the answer is effectively no. Uh, now, he said no to things before, and we've gotten them as technology has improved. Yeah. But at the time, the answer was no. Yeah, and that's why, like, if we were going to explore the new world, I haven't been keeping up on, on the lore, but I could see the new world being something introduced further down the line because they got the cross data center they have they, they got cross world which is huge cross data center which was massive uh they don't have the cross region yet set up in place the last i was aware but they've just upgraded the hardware this week and so you're probably going to see that that march to more of this technology and if it doesn't make it in for 7.0 it's not a big issue but just knowing that that's something that like in terms of like things that they could still say like that they're working on and Oh, eight, like 8.0, massive news announcement. We're going to, it's a mega server now and every, you know, we're going to fill the open world with the players and it's just going to handle itself. Like in Blue Protocol, like in Destiny, like in 
the new modern MMO, you know, which is like, we're just going to handle it for you and you just go off and play. I think then you start to kind of build in, you know, that that excitement again, because then it gives you as a designer way more options. Because one of the things you don't want is design content, in, especially in the open world, that nobody can participate in because nobody's there. And you're like, okay, well, oh, how do I do this? And WoW did that eventually, like WoW has that. And there's there's pros and cons, but that is in and of itself what it is. But yeah, it's definitely a big ask. Let's 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 not sit here and say like, oh, <laughs> easy breezy, let's get it done. But man, I tell you, that would be I would be thrilled. Cool. Well, I'm gonna get back to this new world patch. Um, having fun with the season pass here. In the background, there's drops going on. The drops are tied to like 20 hours of hanging out with us on Twitch. Um, so what I can tell you is it is Tuesday, April 4th, and I will play a minimum of 20 hours of New World this week. Uh, there's no way it's less than that. Uh, that way, if people keep it tuned here, you'll be covered. Uh, yep. And I'll so. be live as well to help try to help you guys make sure you get uh, that those hours, those drops. So we have till May the 4th, but so countdown, one month. However, let's see if we can get it knocked out for you guys as soon as possible. So I'll try to be alive uh, tonight. Be sure to be engaged in the Discord. So I'll ping you guys if I'm live. So that way we can hopefully chip off a couple more hours uh, towards those drops themselves. And we do appreciate you guys for hitting that follow, for lurking on the streams. Like uh, that is a great way that you can kind of help us continue to do what we're doing right here, which is these podcasts. Uh, these breakdowns and so much more. Now, on that note, I'm going to hit Embercast over on the YouTube side of things. So if you want to continue your day and unlock these drops, and if you're not over on Twitch, follow the links. And uh, otherwise, we will see you in 